One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Let's go back to 2009 with Squidge. Let's look at the Lions Tour again with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby Lions Tour Retrospective, a That's podcast that is somehow, for the first time, more and less relevant than it has been for the last year. The thing is, now that we've started this new series, this brand new mm. series of this podcast, you're going to start calling it the World Cup Retrospective. I'm like, finally going to... Not messing up. Yeah, I'm you? finally going to key into what it was called previously. But you but learned the name of the podcast about two episodes ago, and now it was we've changed about it. the semi-finals, yeah. It took me yeah. at least the pool stages to work out what that thing was called. Yeah. Uh, I am Robbie or Squidge or whatever you want to call me. I am joined as ever by Mr. William Owen. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And... We are also joined by, I think, the only man in the province of Munster who wasn't called up for this 2009 tour, Mr. Tom <laughs> Savage. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I was very close. Yeah. I was very close. I knew it. It was my, it was my own fault. I, I, I should have played more. I should have just focused on hooker when they said, look, there's a spot for you there. I just wanted the ball too much. That's my problem. <laughs> What's your main position, Tom? Flanker. Mm. Flanker. Okay, okay. So... Well, th- these days it would be winger. Oh, Maybe. Okay, if, if, okay. if I was lucky. Okay, okay. You're too small small to play this game now. You narrowly missed out to somebody, let's say Jamie Heaslip, but you're doing a little bit better than him on the podcast ranks. So, yes, I have four. He only currently has one. He went back in his word. (laughs) And, yeah, it overturned democracy. It's not not right. That's a bad priest. It takes a powerful man to do that. I lost track of the sentence I was going to say, but it's going to be vaguely Jamie Heaston related. <laughs> we can cut that. What a start. <laughs> <laughs> Staying in. Cool. Fine. I choose what I'm cutting, not you. Yeah, I've completely gone blank. You gave me I'm the power to, to edit this podcast, and therefore I will take out any mistakes I make and leave in any mistakes anyone else makes. Large cats. <laughs> Many you... monster players. Yeah, did you get the official letter from Ian McGeekin? ahead of this door saying you're in consideration no I just got a kind of a, a letter from his solicitor telling him to stop calling him at his house <laughs> and it's just you know fair enough he's sensitive okay I was just <laughs> I was just trying to put my best foot forward but it's just when you when you look at that like that Lions tour because I was mm. looking at the, I, I went on Wikipedia like before yeah. like around five or six minutes before doing this podcast because I'm a professional and I looked at the literal number of monster players there I had no yeah. idea it was that much I knew yeah. it was a loss I didn't realise it was that much. So the squad was named right after they absolutely battered the Ospreys in that quarterfinal. Oh, like, yeah. The squad was named a couple of days later. And I think Ian McGeekin went, cool, they're good, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> he fills <feels> in. <laughs> I look, I, 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 with Keith, I, I, mm. I watched that first game, the game, the spoiler yeah. that we'll be talking about in this one. And he was just looking so young. Yes. Yeah. So young. Like, Keith Earls only broke through. I think maybe the season before this year, and he had a fantastic season for Munster midfield. I kind of memory hold what happened uh, the week after the Lions tour was named. I can't remember. There was a game that happened then, but I, I can't really remember what happened. But it was, yeah, Keith Earls coming in was just, 
he had such a breakthrough season. Everybody was thinking, like, he's coming in at outside center. Mm. Ryan O'Driscoll isn't getting any younger. This is going to be the guy who's going to come through and take it on. And when he got named as a bolter in the Lions tour, like, it wasn't a surprise to me as such because I'd been watching mm. him all season long. I thought, geez, he's playing really well. And especially in that Ospreys game, he was particularly good. Yeah. Uh, and then when it, it just didn't work out for him on tour at all, like, not yet. Yeah. And, and this mm. game was, I think, his first appearance for the Lions. And it just didn't go well. And he kind of never never really recovered. I think that's it. I genuinely think Keith Fills has taken about 10 years to recover from this game. Yeah. Perception-wise, for sure, for 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not him personally, but I Mm. think his reputation took such a tanking in this being, Mm. you know, up until this point, he had two caps for Ireland, you know, both off the bench, one of which against Canada. And so he wasn't a particularly high-profile player at this point. Mm -hmm. That's it. I didn't realise quite like yeah. what a massive shock it was I, I mean, you told me about this recently Robbie that mm. how what a massive balter he was and how unexpected this was I suppose Tom you're probably the most qualified person to to recall this like what was your reaction to see Keith Earls really? my, my reaction like yeah like the thing is with Keith Earls like and, and I agree totally like he had mm. the perception around him since then it took an awful long time to recover same yeah. for Ronan O'Gara on this tour yeah yeah um, but when you look at Keith Earls, like this year, like this year, like Munster were playing so well, like mm, like yeah. if it was the first season of the ELBs. There's a lot of concern actually as to what they would do because I think the mall ended up being kind of yeah, so like, they, di- different. You could sack it now, which yeah, made it could more difficult. Just drop them all from like it, there was no penalty against collapsing the mall, so it meant everyone stopped doing it for a season. Mm. Uh, but that wasn't the case in South Africa. It wasn't the yeah. case in Super Rugby. Right. So the moment they got to the test, and I suppose we'll get onto this in future episodes, but South Africa were used to mauling all season. The Lions hadn't defended it. And like one of the South African tries comes off like a 30-meter maul because the Lions hadn't defended the maul for a full also, season. With, with, with Talking of mauls, isn't it amazing that this was just pre-choke tackle? That, like The amount yeah. of times the Lions would get held up and you'd go, oh, that's maul, that's going to be the Royal 15's put-in. And then... The Royal 15 just didn't care. They didn't do the whole piling people in, deliberately holding them up and stuff. The ball, it would just kind of go to ground. They go, oh, we've got the ball. That's quite nice. Nobody actually thought, oh, yeah, that's a law. Let's make the, make the most of that. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we should reward the guys who took that ball in. Or, yeah. the, or, or sorry, reward the guys who stopped it once, the, like, defending. Like, I, I looked at this game and there was a good moment, like, where there was a, uh, I think uh, the Lions scored a mall try at some point. And it's like the leg, like the, the reg zizes are kind of so different because, mm. like, they were mauling for so long in that particular build up to that try. Yeah. And it was like, how is this not being called a first stop? Yeah. Because they were just yeah. there, they were just sitting in it. And it was a bit like the Lions were coming in and kind of redoing their, their work on the mall to a certain extent. And everything just looked very kind of stiff and upright and mm. just the, the binds weren't great. I mean, it like they, they scored a try in this instance, but it was just weird seeing it all come in. But it, it, regardless, in Munster, we were very concerned about what would happen with you couldn't kick the ball directly out after passing yeah. it back into the 22. That had changed. That was going to be a big change in Munster's game. Same with the mall, because a lot of what Munster did mm. was, was based on having a very strong mall. So with that being taken out of the game, to an extent, mm. I mean, because if you could take it down anyway, it, there's not really much point expending yeah. too much energy in it. Exactly. Very concerned about how it would go. But himself and Lefemi Maffey in midfield mm. that year, uh, 12 and 13, were just electric. And, and, and a lot of our monster were doing that year. We, we played so well. I mean, even up against the Ospreys that, like that week, Ospreys were going very well at that time. Yeah. But 
I remember just remember the confidence in Munster at the time was just through the roof, through the roof. Mm-hmm. And Blue Ospreys away that day, like with you know Paul Warwick dropping, you know dropping goals from I think like... just inside his own half or something. Yeah. Mad. But with Keith Earls, he was playing really, really well all mm-hmm. season long. So I was kind of used to him being, oh yeah, well he's Keith Earls is playing so well. Mm-hmm. Him getting named for the Lions then, along with everybody else, you'd be like, oh okay, that kind of makes sense. There's lots yeah. of extra players there. It was a shock to people outside, I'm sure. Mm. But I'd seen him playing multiple times that year and just kind of like, geez, this, this kid is really, really good. How come Lafimi Maffey missed out in the end? Because he was Tongan. Oh, that's <laughs> the one. That's <laughs> yeah. the one. Yeah, but the thing is with him, like at the time, it was like, I remember guys kind of like, can Maffey qualify for Ireland? Can Warwick qualify for Ireland? Yeah, oh yeah, no, like but, people are going like he's been here so long, can he do that? And same with Paul Warwick. And like I remember people be kind of like I remember like at the time, like friends of mine be going, Can he can he play for Ireland? He should play for Ireland. Let me because Matthew is I just love the baby Matthew. Like he's just like yeah. the tongue and head case, like just some of the tackles and shots <laughs> he'd be putting in. Unbelievable. But yeah, look, that season, Monster played really well. And I was I was surprised actually because I mean, up until the, the, the Leinster game, which came up uh, a few weeks after the Lions squad was announced, which I've, I've tried to forget long hours in therapy. <laughs> Munster had been, like, looked all, like, for all the world, like they were going to re- retain the Heineken Cup that year. Mm. And they won the, 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 the Magnus League or whatever it was called at that point. Um, mm. They won that a few weeks, like a couple of weeks early in the season and were just flying it. So when Keith Earls got selected, I was like, I can understand that. Yeah. And, but that first game against the, the Royal 15, it didn't go well. didn't go well. I think Paul O'Connell also, the Munster captain, named as the Lions mm. captain. Yeah. And there's a, actually, you mentioned, <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry to bring it up, that Leinster semi-final against Munster. I remember, it always stuck with me. There's a moment where Stuart Barnes on the comment, at least the UK commentary, uh, so when O'Driscoll takes that interception pass, and you can see O'Connell's head turn and watch him, you know, as the ball goes, because the pass was going to O'Connell. You can Stuart Barnes's commentary said, Isn't this a great metaphor for what we've just seen? O'Driscoll snatching the ball out of the air like it's the captaincy from Paul O'Connell, not realizing it was the other way oh, around. Well. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I I remember like but with Paul O'Connell, even mm. at the time in that game, like that like that Leinster game was a shock. Yeah. I remember like that game, we were like again, and I suppose we've learned since that too much confidence can be a bad yes. thing. Like that year, like Munster beat Leinster out the gate mm. in the RDS and in Tolman Park. I think, I th- um, whether this is the same season or not now, I think Munster nilled Leinster in the RDS mm. that year. And then in Tolman Park beat pretty much the same Leinster team that was uh, named for Coke Park yeah. that year. So that game, we were just like, we've got, you know, 42,000 Lions named in the squad. <laughs> we're a semi-final against Leinster like the last time, like in 2006. We're going to beat them. Then we're going to go and win in, in the European Cup. And then a whole ton of these Lions are going to go touring mm. as well. But then there was a period of around three weeks where that all went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, oh, it's fucking ruined. But like it, like that like that Lions game and the build-up to it mm. was just, for Alan Quinlan, it was a disaster. Yeah. Well, so three of your Lions missed out on the squad before you even got there. Yeah, and uh, then like John Hayes was brought, but yeah. I'm, I think is one of the most underrated players at Munster and Ireland over the last 15, 20 years. Unbelievable player. 
and he was called up late. I think to replace yeah. was it you and Murray? You and Murray, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, but yeah, look, I was at the game where Tomas O'Leary got injured. This was, I think, only a couple of days later yeah. after being named when they got his name wrong in the in the uh, announcement. Yes. Where they call him Thomas O'Leary, <laughs> Tomas O'Leary. But look, you don't give a shit when you're named. Uh, he was. We, we played the Scarlets on the Friday in Musgrave Park. Mm. And he got badly injured after, I'd say, maybe, what, maybe eight, really early in the game. Yeah. I just remember being really early in the, in the game. You could hear him shouting and roaring after there was a, a pile of bodies kind of fell down on him and broke his ankle and dislocated it something as well. Just horrific stuff. Yeah. And he was carried off. And we were just like, I remember some fella next to me kind of going, well, that's the lines. That's him fucked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the, there's the medical the medical assessment from the sideline. But yeah, he looked just oh, just you could tell straight away he mm. is fucked. Like he's like yeah. there's no line tour lines tour for him. And like coming up for the game because the the, the Leinster game was coming up a week later as well. Mm. A lot of the lines that were named played in that game. Like uh, Paul O'Connell wasn't playing, but you had David Wallace. You had um, Jerry Flannery was there as mm. well. This was prior to him getting injured which i think was actually on when, once they got to the training camp he got mm. injured but i think alan quinlan was there as well and then alan quinlan got suspended uh for yeah. the action around which, the eyes that is the most alan quinlan thing that could have possibly happened getting oh, called for horrific. the lions yeah. having not played for Ireland, you know having been left out of the team and then and then gouging someone for a laugh and then coming in at like, 34 years of age <laughs> yeah. like you know, to come in and he, and he had such a great season and then there was that bit at the end and I, I remember Leo Cullen at mm. the disciplinary meeting kind of I think he went to bat for him I think really really yeah I, I, think, I, like, I think I remember hearing that or mm. reading that at, at the time but he got a 12 week ban <laughs> gouging should be legal games got soft <laughs> and it was and it was done like as in because I remember watching that during the game um, on the replay and I was just like mm. oh he's in trouble there yeah because like I could tell what he wanted to do which I don't think necessarily was, I'm going to pull Leo Collins' eyes out at the stalks. I think he was just trying to just get his head up and away to pull him out of that little situation where they were in. But then went into the kind of the, the grip things here, which are, okay, danger here. So you end up in a situation where you're, you know, gouging him, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that was like a real sickener at the time because that mm. would have been a fantastic end to his career, which didn't see as many international caps as I think maybe no. he should have. But that would have been a fantastic end, but it just wasn't to be. And then Jerry Flannery, I think, what, did he break his arm he, or fracture his arm? Was, yeah, elbow in training, he injured. Shock. Um, and and he, was so, had, he was playing so well. Yeah. Tom, like, it was proper form of his career, and then he never really recovered from that. You no, know, he, he kind of scraped the 2011 caps, team, but, didn't he? But, yeah. Like his third choice. But he never really got back to where he was immediately yeah. prior to that injury. Yeah, it was. he kind of became, oh, remember him, Jerry Flannery. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would say at the time that the jury yeah. at the time, like from I'd say maybe around 2006 to 2008, mm. nine around this injury, could make a claim to be one of the best hookers in the Northern Hemisphere, if not the mm. best I, playing in the Six Nations at the time, because he he just had so much variety to his game. His yeah. line out was fabulous. A uh, good scrummager, good player on the field as well. He he did it like I mean, and the thing is with hookers. You'll have guys sometimes who they maybe have two of those three. Yeah. Or one yeah. of those three, if one of them is really good. But he had all of them. I think he was really like, as in, I think he was like really that year, I would have backed him to start against like mm. the tests with mm. how he'd been playing. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but and, and didn't he and like I think it was I, in 2006, 2007 we called your man fact was it like what's his name the English was he an English hooker oh Jamie George no yeah, no, yeah. You, no no it was um, the English hooker you call him you call him a, a fat fucker or something yeah yeah um, Jamie, yeah he goes no, yeah, that was yeah. that was a that was a Saracens game that happened relatively recently. Where it was the monster doctor who had said something. To oh, Jared. okay. It was, like, it was a similar similar lines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, stop. Yeah, no, but I, like I, when I saw Jerry Gonzalez, it was like, well, that fucking mm. sucks because he's just yeah. been playing. He'd been he'd been playing so well that season. When you saw, because I, 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 I went to the bother watching this game, and the lines went really strong for that first game. Mm, like, yeah, because I think when you look at these tours. They're so difficult. Everybody has a thing where, and I think this year with the Lions name this year, mm. like that people had this kind of thing where, well, you just pick the best players and yes. the best players in every position. Like it's a, a fantasy football kind of style mm. thing. But the cohesion and the, the, the way you have to kind of tailor guys together and the team that finishes the tour might look nothing like what you think will start. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's always someone who shits the bed, isn't there? I who you, everyone some, tips to start. There's something about the 2009 tour that won't happen again. In the, it was kind of this, maybe 2012, where the last time that was the case that you just picked the 35-ish best mm. players in Britain and Ireland. And I think particularly, you'd never see Ian McGeekin named as coach these days, right? Oh, like no, Ian man. McGeekin oh. was named as coach for the 2009 tour because he was a nice lad and everyone liked it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, and a Lions legend done, of sorts. Yeah. He had done nothing really in the coaching. He hadn't coached for ages in about twelve years. He'd been coaching Bath, you know, he coached Bath a bit after this, but he'd been, yeah, he was sort of doing odd bits. You know, he coached Scotland a bit. He hadn't really. He's kind of got some merit. Yeah, he kind of he got in because everyone likes him because everyone thought he was a good lad. And you know Uh, what? Like, not not the worst choice. Don't get me wrong. It it could have been. So I don't know. Like maybe sure, like he, um the, you know the, there's other coaches that you maybe could have picked on merit of something they've done in the past but clearly not not doing well uh, like Clive Woodward or somebody maybe I don't know maybe <laughs> not that he would ever get the Lions coaching job at any point ever but you know maybe why, would, like any, why would anybody ever do that <laughs> give him a Lions tour no well they didn't uh so McGeekin when he was <laughs> selected happen. was DOR at Wasps uh but obviously he'd been DOR at Wasps for a couple of years uh mm-hmm. but Warren Gatlin has been head coach um, oh, okay so Hence why sort of, I guess he took Gatland as well and he yeah. had a working relationship. Yeah. Um, and has Gatland been involved every time since? Yes. This yeah. tour. So he was forwards coach for this tour and then he's been head coach for the three since. Yeah. Like I remember looking at that, like the, the, the squad as named and there was just mm. seemed like a lot of quality that year. Yeah. Like, I was quite confident about the Lions tour that season. Cause like, you know, typically like with, you know, with, with the British and Irish Lions, mm. it's like, it's kind of difficult for an Irish person sometimes, for me anyway, mm. looking at it with the British and Irish Lions, because it always sort of, in some ways, kind of represented British Empire to me yeah. in some ways. But you kind of forget that as well, because it's very, I'm very happy for the guys who are selected. Mm. So, like, my one fear, though, would be that Ireland would have a really bad cycle of four years, and there'd only be one Irish guy named in the team. So if it was Tyke Furlong. So basically they could just rename it the British and Tyke Furlong Lions. <laughs> and it would just be just the most embarrassing thing going. Because <laughs> like it just feels like sometimes that the and Irish is just gonna yeah. tag on like <laughs> someone say, Yeah, here come the British Lions. And Irish Lions. <laughs> it's always that yeah, thing where everybody well. where a lot of the lads well. a lot of the lads who were kind of talking about it where sometimes they kind of they feel really coached where mm. they're going, Yeah, you know, great to be here at the British. 
and Irish Lions really good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just it's great. But like seeing even this year now, seeing but I remember that year in 2009, mm. just feeling a lot of pride about the, the number of Munster players who were named, just as a really good reflection of as to where I think where they were and where Munster were in the game at that point. Mm. Like legitimately one of the best clubs in the Northern Hemisphere. We're still in that conversation now, I would suggest, but nowhere near back then where we yeah. were like favorites to win the European cup, having won it the previous year. And it was reflection. Yeah. This makes sense that there are this many monster players there, but like overall, like I think like that, just the number of, of, of quality players that were there mixed with a couple of guys now who haven't had the same sort of long-term impact as some of the other names, like Paul O'Connell, everybody knows Paul O'Connell now, hmm. but like you look at Ricky Flutie at the time, was he playing with Wasps? Yeah. Good player. Very good player. I remember didn't really have a massive impact that like didn't really stick yeah. in the game all that long afterwards because for me when i see lions named it's like geez that guy must be good if he's in the you know if he's named yeah. in the lions and it's just like when you see him then kind of not being lions or ha- having that status afterwards it's like oh like a bit of a letdown those players like, who kind of then live off the fact they were a lion for the rest yeah, of the time. Yeah, it's a lot of players you kind of remember just as like, oh yeah, because he went on the 2009 Lions tour. Yeah. Like, and that's what you remember is good about them. Like Ross Ford, I think of as, like, as a lion before I think of him as a Scotland player, despite well, the fact he like, got like 115 caps. You saying Jerry Flannery as being a hot take of being uh, possibly the starting hooker. You look at the hookers they took, right? Uh, Matthew Reese, who was one of those players that did improve over the course of the Lions tour, right? Like, but going into that tour, he wasn't Perhaps a favourite amongst Welsh fans. Yeah. Going back, you know, he was not a good lineup thrower. Uh, Liam Mears, who now sells crisps. Ross Ford, who is Ross Ford. And uh, Jerry Flannery, who was, as you said, like probably the best hooker in Europe at the time, especially on form and playing in two teams that both won a Grand Slam and won, you know, the mm. Orkney Cup a year early and then were favourites to kick on and do so when the squad was named. Um, yeah. And to say, yeah, it then becomes that thing of, I mean, there's, there's a few players like Tim Payne and so on that get called up. But that's always the case that by the end of a Lions tour, when you have Billy Twelve Trees hanging about, hopefully this year we get a you know a similar thing like Stuart McCloskey ends up somehow on the tour. That would be great. Or Billy Twelve Trees again. <laughs> Billy Freddie Burns. Again. That's what I really want. Freddie yeah. Burns the Lion. That's yeah, what I want. That would be ideal. One well, guy who stuck out to me in 2009, mm. who wasn't named in the original squad though, was Tom Croft, who ended up having a really, really good Lions tour. Yeah. But he was only called up after Stephen Ferris got injured. It was after Quinlan um, did the, his eye thing. Was he? Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. No, that's right. Tom Croft and I think, was it Ryan Jones? Called Ryan Jones. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, Ryan yeah. Jones had got injured yeah. the previous day, but didn't tell him until he arrived. So, <laughs> so he then withdrew. I mean, so to me, because I was 12 years old and didn't know what the Lions was before this tour happened. So this was sort of my introduction to the Lions. Uh, I remember we missed this game, me and Robbie and our family. Yeah, so we missed the team because we were, we were in Spain at this point. We, and we had to follow we it on were, teletext. Yeah. So it was back in the era before like social media existed but you couldn't access it easily because there wasn't Wi-Fi everywhere you went. So yeah. I remember... 2009. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm old enough to remember 2009. <laughs> I was in my late 20s. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely can't remember how old I was. I was probably like 46. Um, been, yeah, yeah. You'd be 46, yeah. Yeah. But I remember because we'd, we'd flown there on holiday with our parents during... Back when we had two parents. I know, remember that. (laughs) What a novelty, I'll never catch on. We'd flown there during the Heineken Cup final. uh, Mm. And when they arrived, like two days later, I tried to use... (laughs) We tried to do a Geography 6 thing. Trying to get get final. 
um no i'd tried to use my phone which was like you know like one of those flip up fo- like not a flip phone like a mm. fold up phone where you had to it had like the nine numbers and you had to press yeah it i had a motorola at this point yeah, remember yeah. Them? i remember it had a thing where you could pay like two quid to get on a really basic version of the internet oh yeah um and it took me about uh, seven minutes it was like all text to- yeah, exactly. Like you couldn't load pictures, you couldn't load anything else. It would struggle with any even text. You could pay it. like fifty quid um, to load a picture. To be fair, yeah, I, but I genuinely I spent about seven minutes and about thirteen pounds trying to find out who won the Hiding Cup final. <laughs> so and I remember I was trying like two days later to get onto it because I was hoping it would just be on the news or something, and it just didn't come up at all uh, by the time we'd arrived. Apparently, it wasn't a big deal in Spain. So when it eventually came through, I I saw it as I, I saw the first article was like an article on Brian O'Driscoll. So I clicked on it and it said after winning the European cup with Leinster and I went, great. I now don't have to pay four quid to read the rest of this article. <laughs> yeah, okay. Done. Yeah. We, we can move along. So, so yeah, we then had to watch the last Lions game mm. on teletext whilst waiting for our flight back. Yeah. You know, hoping that the taxi to the airport wouldn't turn up until after we'd. Yeah. That and just refreshing, finished. like, oh, Ogara scored, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, so as I say, like, at this point, I was 12 years old, didn't mm. know that much about rugby, let alone the Lions, and kind of assumed, well, I've heard it's a really prestigious thing. Therefore, I can remember saying to you, Robbie, when you mm. asked, who do you think is in the Lions squad? I'd never heard of the Lions at this point. Right. Uh, who do you, which Wales players uh, do you think are in the Lions squad? And I was like, I don't know, I imagine it would just be Shane Williams, James Hook and Ryan Jones. One of them was named in the original squad, <laughs> and a lot of other Welsh <laughs> players were. <laughs> and Martin, Martin Williams as well actually come to think of it but that was a a big thing for me as well at that point of it was the you know like I, I remember getting the issue of rugby world that had the profiles and all the players on them and mm. so on and you know I knew obviously the Welsh team well uh but then I knew the star players for the other nations you know I knew yeah I knew like Ogara, O'Driscoll, O'Driscoll, O'Gara, yeah. O'Connell and how could uh, you forget Andrew uh, uh Andy Pole? <laughs> oh I know I know like I, I didn't call Andy Powell and Keith Earls to make the tour somehow. Um, <laughs> I was, I was banking on. Like I did have my quid on Tom Court to make the 2013 tour, but we'll get to that. <laughs> That's, I had no idea who Tim Payne was when he got called. No, oh god, no. Tim that... Payne, I, I only knew because I think he had played against Monster mm. relatively recently. That <laughs> over the last two, the, like the two years previously. Yeah. So I remember that guy. But like when you look at that Lions, like that Lions pack that they could have named. A lot of big names there. A lot of really yeah. good players. Yeah, yeah. Should we, like, should we look at the Lions team that played yeah, in this, this game? Yeah. 26 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> Lee Byrne, Tommy Bone, Shane Williams is the, the back three. Yeah. Practiced at the Ospreys. Played together the Ospreys. Earls hey. and Robertson are centres. Lee Byrne. What a bloody player. Yeah. Oh, stop. I remember like at the time, didn't he go to Claremont relatively yeah. yes. uh, soon after this? After the 2011 yeah. World Cup. Yeah. He- but gee, oh, what a player he was. Mm. Yeah. And of course, he once retweeted you, Robbie, didn't he? You once chatted shit about him on Twitter and he retweeted it. Uh, he like name searched himself and retweeted like, oh, Lee Burns having a really shit game. At the time, I felt bad, but I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> What's Lee Burns doing being that paranoid about a 13 year old chatting shit about him? Oh, God. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I think I've been blocked by Keen Healy. I think I've said mm. this before. But it's yeah, it, like it poorly burned. Yeah, name searching himself and then finding a young squidge and just going to going oh talking shit about me. I'm going to throw <laughs> you to the wolves of you know however many like nine or ten thousand followers he might have or whatever. 
Him and James Hook can talk about that together. Yeah, they can, they can do some bonding at their their cafe. They now run together. The coffee business yeah, they now run together. Right? Yeah, which is I don't know if you followed this, Tom, but I think every single Welsh player from the mm. last fifteen years now owns a coffee business. Yeah, yeah. rugby players and coffee. It's just that somebody. Yeah, I the mean, knowledge. Your <laughs> the knowledge they have on coffee. So many, so many beans. Um, you're just completely spoiled for choice if you want to head to Fat Dragon Coffee run by Dylan Lewis. You want to <laughs> What's head Paul James's to, one? Uh, it's his cap number. It's his Welsh cap number, which uh, is like okay. 1026 or something. Okay. Um, Richard Hibbard now runs a, a cafe. It's just, it's comp- it's all of them. They all yeah. own cafes or coffee businesses. Yeah. But I've been radicalised into coffee over the last two years. Mm. Radicalised. Mm. I started off on a slippery slope of I might like trying drinking coffee so I start with the freeze dries you know the, the instant stuff sure and I started sure. with the fancy Lavazza stuff because I wanted to be fancy I am a fancy guy so I got a Lavazza and I was like mm, that's nice and it built on and built on mm. and it's like now I'm going to try French press so I get the stuff for the French press and that's grand yeah. nice but I need more so then I go Nespresso pods that's what I want Next one. I kind of mix, mix that up though. That's kind of the next step after instant. And now, now I have an AeroPress, which is this thing where you're basically trying to brew close to the nine bars of pressure, which I need, I know you need for espresso for coffee. And you're like you're using air pressure and you're pumping it in. And like, how did I get here? To this point <laughs> where I know and I have watched videos on extraction points for coffee and extraction <laughs> points and grind sizes. See, I'm, I had I the same you, thing with tea, and I now need it to the point in which I didn't have milk this morning, and I can really feel it, you know? Like, I can really feel the fact I haven't had tea in about I, four hours. I base the fact that I don't have tea it's, off what's, what it's done to you. Like, it's, you paved the way for me to, to not get addicted a, it's to a, tea. It's a, it's a problem, and I worry, right. like, I'm too afraid to ever try coffee again in case this just kicks up a gear. Okay, okay. I've had, I've had, I've had, I've had, I've had two coffees today. Already, oh, wow. and I'm only okay. up since eleven. Okay, well, well, well Tom, Tom. Uh, so you like coffee? You've made that clear. Yeah. Do you like former Wales scrum half Richie Reese? I might do, depending on what's coming after. Well, I might have the perfect business for you. Maybe he 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 might have set up a coffee business. Oh my Maybe God. Kerry Sweeney's coffee. It might be the next <laughs> big thing for you. Does he sell coffee? Because I might like to try rugby players' coffee brand coffee that they sell. And then rate it. That's Ooh. a that's a really you know, that's that's a that's a better podcast it's, idea than this. One. <laughs> <laughs> I've only so, from there a rugby so players. many episodes. Yeah, Scott Austin's just retired and he's already started a coffee business. <laughs> so like, it was the Saracens guy run a Saracens. Like, like oh, the Saracens yeah. guys yeah. all run coffee yeah, as well. So Billy Vanapola and Brad Barrett run Tiki Tonga coffee, which is the only coffee you can buy at Allianz Park. <laughs> Uh, we could we could also sample need, like, free um, coffee pods to sell. We could we could sample Lee Mears' crisps as well while we're there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think like because I know Alan Quinlan is after getting into um these kind of mind energy drinks recently. Oh no. Saw him like, yeah, because like I, I'm I, I'm gonna try and get a case of those. I wanna try them. I've got a know. I've got a big like energy drinks. I drink so much red bull and coffee. <laughs> I've got a serious problem, guys. <laughs> <laughs> got a serious problem with the caffeine. Have you seen what's happened to Joe Van Niekirk? Oh, like, yes. Former Springboks and Toulon back rower. No. Who, since he's oh, retired, man. 
He's like joined some sort of cult. Oh, I've seen and, this. Yeah, so, Jungle Joe like, three 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 yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, Jungle Joe three three three. Yeah, and he's like he's basically a cult leader now, and he posts photos of himself with his top off, walking around with, like these inspirational quotes, saying things like the body is the truest vessel. Like we can say whatever we want space. about say Use what you your want. Body. You know, uh, oh, you know, Richard Hibbard has gone, uh, he's he's retired from rugby soon and he's going to coffee, this coffee business or whatever. You know, mm. Lee Mears is retired and he's now making crisps. Jovan Nikut retired to become Tarzan. Yes. I've seen this guy and I remember like thinking, geez, he looks so much different from his rugby playing days. Not just from now he's like, you know, a, a cult leader and who knows, like as in, like as in, he looks like the type of guy who might have ate somebody recently <laughs> and has that thing where I have tasted human flesh. So and I like this. His most recent post is "Your smile is so infectious." Is that because he caught a disease off eating your smile? <laughs> he didn't properly cook your smile. That's the problem. <laughs> You've got to get this to hundred degrees for ten yeah. minutes. You you need to preheat it in advance. You need don't skimp on it. Don't skimp on it. It's not worth doing. <laughs> I'm hoping that once I eventually retire from TRK, I'm going to get into a coffee business mm. and just you, you know. Uh, Tira King's copy. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm no good at names, so I'll just go with the one that's worked so far and just use that for everything. <laughs> the K in TRK stands for coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the R is for really good. Um, do you want to hear a poem by Joe Van Eke? Yes. Yes, of course I do. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fulfillment without end. See, that to me is just saying, like, he's got nobody around him because he's eaten everybody who came to his church. <laughs> That's okay, the entire I've, scheme. I've just checked. Skulk Burger <laughs> follows him on Instagram. I wonder what he thought of that. Well, no, he's, I reckon that's where it started. He heard Scott Burger for tasty and tried to eat him. <laughs> it's like, no, it's undercooked, Joe. We've, not, we've, we've gone over this. <laughs> he's like, no, I just need to put two slices of bread on either side. And, we've got <laughs> and a, little bit of, a, a little bit of happiness in the middle. <laughs> your smile and your hair are so infectious. Right, no, the Lions 15. We've oh, yeah. the Lions 15. Uh, we've, so we've not come near the game yet. the halfbacks. Ruben yeah. O'Gara and Mike Blair as halfbacks. Mike Blair obviously called out for Thomas O'Leary. I wonder if they'd written this team out in advance and they're going to go with a sub combination such as the Ospreys back three and O'Gara yeah. and O'Leary as halfbacks. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Then Andrew Sheridan, Matthew Reese, and Adam Jones uh, as the front row. And I don't know if you noticed this, but watching it on YouTube with the South African commentary, they, they seem to be in like a, a Jungle Joe style cult of Andrew Sheridan. Like they I really like him and Shane Williams as well. Really yeah, yeah. But Shane Williams was reigning World Player of the Year and so on. Year, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But if you're but, a South African guy, what is not to like about Andrew Sheridan? That's mm, the fact he's English. Six, six foot four, five, loose head prop, absolute monster. Mm. Yes. Yeah. But like, yes, make him president. <laughs> there were a few. Can you imagine Razzie's heart eyes when he saw him for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big guy. <laughs> yeah. It's a big guy, and now I've got a big um, erection. So no, there's a there's a couple of points where other players do things, and they just attribute them to Andrew Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> like the first scrum, Andrew Sheridan gets penalised. The second scrum, 
uh, Adam Jones very clearly like pins his his man in, and like you can see, there's no movement on one. But like it, if it's obvious to me, Go on, tell us what's about going scrum, on in the scrum. <laughs> <laughs> if it's obvious to me what's going on in the scrum, clearly you know. Um, but tell this just, hard Irish flanker who's currently they, staring you down how to do scrums. They, they then they give all the credit to Andrew Sheridan repeatedly for anything Adam Jones does, and this there's like enormous Andrew Sheridan circle jerk that like if adam jones literally like picked up his opposite number and put him in his pocket then and like opposite also because andrew sheridan told him to do it (laughs) exactly exactly it'd be like if adam jones paid off his mortgage it'll be well andrew sheridan got a low rate of interest you know it's like literally anything he did like adam jones could be elected prime minister and it'd be what a phenomenal effort by andrew sheridan (laughs) vote I'm I'm going to pause you there for a second, Robbie, because mm. we are 36 minutes into this podcast now, and we've finally said something about the game. Right, yes. 36 minutes in, is, we've said our first thing about the game. 36 minutes is also the same amount of time it took <laughs> yes. he fails to catch the ball in the <laughs> game. Oh, did you stop. also make a note of this? Yes, I did. Uh, look, I, I, I remember because I, I was watching the early going of the game, and mm. I remember they, they, they there was a, 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 a bit at the start because the reason why I was thinking of Andy Powell was. The guy who's commentating on the game on the, on the South African coverage is doing a bit of chat as the team sheets are on, are on the screen mm. as it's coming along and they start panning to the different people in the crowd. And there was a, a, a couple of people there he goes and he mentioned there's no Andrew Powell that's playing today. <laughs> Jamie Heaslip is in and look, there's this and there's a person comes up on the camera and he's, they, they've got a, a, a wig on and mm. uh, a big flag. And for a second, the commentator can't tell if it's a man or a woman. And you can hear the wheels turning in his head as he's going. And that lady looks a bit like Andy Powell. <laughs> as like, oh God, dude. You're just like one of those things where, well, I've started talking, so I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to finish. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine, right, tuning in to watch your daughter, who you know is at the rugby and you think might see on TV in the crowd. Like and it was an older lady, I think. Like, it was uh, an older lady. And it was, okay. you could see the, 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 the wheels in his head was just going. All the same, mm. if you're hearing that your mum looks like Andy Powell. <laughs> <laughs> also, what that means is he was trying to figure out whether it was Andy Powell or a mum. Yeah. <laughs> For that thought to come into his head. How sober do they look? That's the only way to tell. <laughs> are they on a golf cart? Are we looking to, are, are we looking at them on the motorway? But when you look at and like but the early going of the game, because I remember because mm. I was watching it and I was like, I was looking because I knew in this game that Keith Earls doesn't catch the ball for a long fucking time. He had two <laughs> opportunities to do so and didn't. But I was, as I was watching it, they cut down to a guy on pitch side, mm. right? Who I think is their Lions representative. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he sounds like he is, yeah. but it's the most typical guy at a game shit stuff yeah. where he's kind of making a kind of a psychological read of what's happening on the field. <laughs> and they're just like, the Lions fellas, they look rattled. They look spooked. <laughs> And at the time, it was only nil-nil, and I didn't notice yeah. anything being massively no. out of the ordinary. And it's like, the Lions are looking worried. When, the, when the, the, the other Lions players who were here, they showed up early, and they're looking confident. They don't look so confident now. <laughs> they look a bit rattled. That was, that was four seconds into the game. Yeah, it's literally, it's literally about three minutes into the game. Like, Keithos knocks the ball on once, and they and that's all that's happened. Like, Keithos have knocked the ball on once. The lads are rattled. They've never seen that before. <laughs> There's There's no I've been to training. So Keith Earls has four, his first four touches of the ball, he mm. knocks it on. Yeah. Uh, and it's his fifth touch of the ball where he finally catches it. Was, and what it, I love was, it, that, was it four or was it two? Because he had one really good one. 
Oh where, yeah, where, yeah. Canada, where, where the ball came to him and he caught it one handed. I remember thinking at the time, "Hey, nice." <laughs> Look, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking for my guys to do well first, which I think everybody does in the Lions. <laughs> it's like, how are my guys doing? Are the guys I put a large hype frame behind? Are they doing well? So I don't look stupid. So, yes. yeah. so when he did that, I was just like, "Yes, yes, I was a yes." Why well, I'm actually quite relieved that George Ford is going on the tour because I would have. Been, I've spent so oh, long hyping him up. Yeah, I like if he had a bad Lions tour, I never could have lived it down. Mm. Not that he would yeah. because he's the best ten. But. Yeah. It's it's a bit like if Gavin Coombs had ended up as a, as, as a ball player yes. this year. I'm just like, please just just score a try, just do something, <laughs> make it look like I know what I'm talking about, please. <laughs> but what I enjoyed is that every single time Keith Hills gets the ball for the rest of the game, the commentators were really patronising and congratulated mm. him on catching the ball every single time. Yes. It was a grim, a terrible start. And I think he's even said this himself in the, in the intervening years, that it was probably too soon for him to be going yeah. on the tour. But like, he, because I remember it was Paul O'Connell walked out first with the, with the, the, the lion. I thought it was Dobbs, the youngest player who did that, but yeah. maybe not. Uh, maybe the captain the carries captain. it out for the games, but the youngest player looks after it in between. Oh, okay. Because you see, Ar- see Earl's coming up behind him and he just mm. looks nervous. And then yeah. the Royal, Royal 15 come out with the worst fucking kits I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they Disgusting. look like 13-15 kits. <laughs> yeah. they're, and they're so, like, baggy and, you know, like, they're the sort of thing I played in in under-16s. Yeah. Like, they look oh, like when the first team's minutes. borrowing the better kit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and be, uh, like, I, like, I didn't even think the Lions didn't even stack that poorly that game. Mm. I remember, that, no. like, you could see they were obviously trying to work, put, put things together and stuff like that, but they look pretty good, like, as in... It's always difficult in the first game because you've you know yeah. you've been doing stuff in training, trying to build up certain bits and how you're going to play and stuff like that. Mm. But like one thing I remember like is in that like you see it much more now, but like forwards just not passing the ball at all. Yeah, if that ball yeah. goes to the forwards, that's that is yeah. being fucking hit hit up the line and that's it. And yeah, yeah. It's so the mad oh, that like three or four spaces away from the contact, there's always a massive gap. And just like one simple tip online would mean try. And it's, it's mad how easy it would be to win this game with any modern attacking structure. I realised that the moment Martin Williams touched the ball. Because mm. that was... And he realized that was his whole USP as a player. Forward, was, He pass. was a forward who could pass. Yeah. At that and this was being seen as like, but... what is this unicorn of a player who can <laughs> yeah. do this? He's, what? What's he doing all week? <laughs> Because no one, Martin Williams wouldn't happen nowadays because he is too small. But he was a player that got by purely on thinking about things instead of yeah. actually being physical. Uh, and I always enjoyed that that guy could get on the Lions. He tour. was technically very good, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, and I think he did play very well in this game, actually. But it's yeah. like the, my, my favorite Martin Williams moment was him deliberately taking out the TMO so they couldn't show a try. Mm. Conrad Smith has scored. Uh, I, I'm personally here for him tripping over Rob Carney um, yes. on a try scoring opportunity and getting the yellow <laughs> card tactically. And so, yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's that's what an open side flanker should do. Yeah. Uh, like, the thing is with Martin Williams, you, could, like, you always knew he was just an incredibly good player. Mm. Just, and, you know, because there, there's guys who are who are good players, you might not say are the most necessarily skilled players. Yeah. yeah. But like Martin Williams is always just a very well-rounded player. Like mm. Scott Quinnell I always, was a fabulous Welsh player, but wasn't as skilled as, mm. as, as yeah. Williams would have been. Not the same sort of skill set. I think no, Richard yeah. Hill is a guy who's got a similar kind of way about him as well. So it's just, sorry, there's guys outside my window who are two Chinese guys walking past with brochures. And they look to be a church of some kind. 
<laughs> what the hell? Yeah, Jungle Joe! Jungle Joe's <laughs> He's recruiting you! And I was like, what are they doing? Oh, the boys are coming in. Oh, this is great. <laughs> it's like a cult of after showing up. They're in your there. room now. It's like with the Van, yeah, with the Van Aircourt guys. It's like, that's, I was just joking about the, the, the eating stuff, but if you're serious... <laughs> Don't do it, please. <laughs> I have too much to live for this year. But yeah, no, you, you like, but yeah, you look at guys like that, just hugely skilled players, and being guys who are, you know, like easy selection for the lines and kind of built and kind of stitched together that back five. I think he was kind yeah. of one of those very like kind of typical kind of glue players at the time. But like, um, I think for the lines coming into this one, when you look at the the rest of the pack that were there. The amount of guys who looked well, well, way too old before their time. Because like, and, like yeah. Andrew Powell, Jamie Heaslip replaced him. But like you look at Simon Shaw, who I'm not sure how old he was at the time. But he looks like he's in his 40s. Uh, Joe Worsley in the same way. And then yeah. Alan Jones on the bench. Yeah. Who looked like a, a guy who was, you know, making his debut age 38 years of age. <laughs> so he kept the scrum cap on at that age to hide his... Hide his hairline until eventually it was a respectable figure. Yeah, the the age and hairline gap met eventually when he was about 31. Uh, Simon Shaw was 35 and he was the only player who'd been on the previous tour of South Africa in 97. Uh, And boy, did he look it. (laughs) And (laughs) I think he passed that baton on to Alan Wynn. Yeah. He's a huge guy. I mean, like, because Alan Wynn Jones in this game, this was his first Lions tour, Alan Wynn Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I found it cool that he scored a try in this game. Mm. And then. Now he's on his like fourth tour, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like it's uh, however many know. years later, it's, like it's a, and yeah. it's a, like Alan Jones is just an amazing player, mm. yeah, like Over amazing for him to be as complete a player in almost every aspect of it, and he's rocking around around 120 kg now at yeah 34, 35 years of age, yeah, like just to be such a well balanced player, like is you know, a guy like I, I remember thinking at the time when I first saw him. Good player, obviously, but mm. I never had a, an idea that he would be as iconic a guy as what he's yeah. ended yeah. up being on this tour. But yeah, like on, on that selection, like that's a pretty, like there's quite a lot of guys there who are fairly legendary players in their own mm. right. And the, the thing about Alan Wynn Jones is he's adapted to whatever the modern lot was at that yeah. time. Like that's he's it. become the image of that and he's updated and changed his game completely. Yeah. Uh, and I think people just think of him as being this player with his aura and his work rate. But he's just, he's become whatever no, he's like, become. To he be. can offload and pass and, yeah. and do the whole lot of it. Uh, he's he's such a, and he's a great organiser as well. That, yeah. you know, he, he understands sort of modern, well, obviously he understands modern structures. He's a captain of an international team in 2021. Mm. But, you know, he he's very sort of um, adaptable in that sense. And going from yeah. the way Gatland played to the way Pivax played, and he's just done it on, on the fly. He's not had so, any sort of um, worry about that. Should we very quickly look at the Royal 15 team? Yes. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know a lot of these a, players. It's a real list. Of, like, there are a handful of players like, oh, remember him? A handful yeah. of players. Oh, he Nars was playing Olivier. Yeah. Olivier, yeah. Nars Olivier. He was a... Saro Pretorius. Yeah, Saro Pretorius, who was great. And uh, went to the Dragons later. Have, yeah, great crew at the Dragons and the Cheaters. Yeah. Uh, after that. Bjorn there, Basson, who now plays for the San Diego Legion, my yes. favourite MLR team, which uh, shows how far he's come. Played for the Springboks a year after this. Again, Dragons legend Rainer Landman was on the bench. Yes. Um, what I love about this, so at one point, Hugh Bladen, the commentator, mentions that one of the second rows, Lombard, has the nickname Lee Touring, which means lighthouse yes. in Afrikaans, which means two out of three second rows in that <laughs> row 15 squad had the nickname Lee Touring, meaning lighthouse in Afrikaans. <laughs> I remember to do it, it wasn't that guy he said the lighthouse has scored the first and now the ox has scored the second 
where a tight head just kind of just flopped over the line for the for one of their tries. They're like, but a lot of those guys. I think Mac Oena is a guy who I remember hearing a lot about at the time because the name sticks out to me. But I don't yeah. remember him, but he was really good. I mean, if we're talking people that stand out, the names that stand out, the loose head was called Albertus Buckle. <laughs> That's a great name, and he called him Bertie Buckle on the commentary. Commenta- <laughs> Bertie, Bertie Buckle. Buckle. I love that commentator's voice. He's still he's still doing stuff for Super Sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, so monotone. It's just yeah, it's it's I like that, like that guy is like iconic with South African rugby for me with mm, the, yeah. the the way he calls these games. But you know what I saw? Like with uh, the, one of the assistant referees in this game is Jacko Paper. Yes, who looks like young and wow. hot. Like <laughs> young hot Jacko Piper action. And I'm just By thinking way, like. Like that, I remember when he was like he was. You see him refing in the in in the the. I think it was in the Pro 14 at the time, mm. back when the Cheetahs and the Kings we were able to travel up and down. Yeah, like uh, and with, with Jacko, like you always know you're going to get like there's going to be a high shot missed in yes. in one of those games where Jacko's refereeing because it just it just happens every time. And then just seeing him there, like uh, you know, being the assistant referee for the Royal 15, he's just like he's just like with his hair looking good and. Mm. Looking, He's just thinking about the high shots that are now totally legal and acceptable. It's just like, ah, oh, this is the game as it's meant to be, lads. None of this stuff now with all these rules, high shots, no, no. Um, this is you, pure. With you talking about Hugh Bladen's commentary there, I've pulled up, Robbie, you're going to know what I'm referring to. Yes. But my favourite moment of his commentary is him attempting to pronounce Julia Pollalanganga, the Samoan International's name. is up there. And it's Junior We've all been there. Oh, I, I'm there at the moment with the Cell Sea Sharks, which I really struggle with. I am just like, I've tripped over myself so many times recording a podcast yesterday. Stop, pause, stop, pause. And eventually it's like, I'm just going to use this take. I'm sick of it. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> How many times did you say Sail Sharks? It's, for me, it was Shell, shell, she, shell Sea Sharks. Sail Sharonin. I... There was one video. Where, you remember back a couple of years ago when there was all those clips of England training with pool pool. I can't do it. Pool noodles. Yeah, the high ball stuff. And I tried to make a joke about that in a video, and I genuinely spent about half an hour trying to say the words pool noodles in a sentence. And there is still like that's the only time I saved the raw file because it was so long. That I didn't. I've got a version. I just kept me trying to say pool noodles from out. It was genuinely like six or seven minutes. I was trying to say it, getting increasingly annoyed with myself and stopping from like pouring a glass of water to try and get it right. You could probably say pool noodles a few thousand times. There, I've just said it what first try. I'm so sorry. No, I'm I'm okay with pool noodles. I can say that pretty easy. Yeah, somebody see the other one. It just it just messes me up. Same with wasps, which I pronounce all wrong as well. (laughs) Apparently, it's. Wasps. Yeah, it's but whatever you want to. That's just doesn't just spell it with an O if it's, it's wasps. It just doesn't suit my accent. It's, <laughs> it's them. That's what I call them. Uh, I call them all Alberta's buckle. Can I also mention? Right, I really like the <laughs> the fullback for the Royal Fifteen. Mm. Uh, Russell's Jaycox, uh, which A is a superb name again. But like, right, if I were Gloucester Rugby Club, 
heart eyes would have shot out the moment I saw this guy. Yeah. Because he is thrilling. He can do it I all. Really but he's also him. a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. And that guy is Gloucester all over. I've I never loved seen watching a more him. Gloucester player than this he guy. He was great. Like sometimes yeah. he'd come up with like some really fun counterattacks, some great kicks. And then there was that point near the end where he'd go like, oh, I'm going to go for a speculative kick. This is going to bounce to the corner and win the game. And it should go straight to like one of the best attacking wingers in the world, yeah. Tommy Bowe's throat. <laughs> And there's it's a few, like, what like, the hell is he thinking? At one point, he tries a little like dink over the top, and he this. just absolutely skies it. <laughs> and he's the one really... where... he, he he does he does uh, this little chip over the top that goes perfectly sideways and yes! perfectly into beyond Basson's hands. <laughs> yeah, but he's just he's so entertaining to watch. I I really enjoyed watching. I loved him. him. I loved him. Yeah, he was great. I've never heard say, of him, but no, me neither. But if I were Gloucester. I would have signed that contract there and then. For sure, for sure. Because the only other player that we've not mentioned that I've heard of from the um, Royal 15 is Rian Villeoen, who comes off the bench mm. as a fly half. Sunwolves legend, Rian Villeoen. And who was on, he was playing up until relatively recently, wasn't he? Yeah. I think, is, is, yeah. He still, is he still playing? Yeah, I think he, he might be. be. I think he's still playing I in Japan. I think he is, yeah. Or maybe MLR. Because like, I, I remember at the time thinking, because I did a series last year during mm. the lockdown about like, looking back at games from that period from 2009 the Leinster versus Munster game mm. and I was surprised at how old relatively speaking a lot of the Munster mm. guys were at that point Donnacho Callahan was like 30-31 and he was still playing up until two two and yeah. a bit years ago yeah and it's like and so. same with Simon Shaw like so many of this pack you would expect like even just from mm. the, like the guys who were selected here you would expect would be kind of gone out of the game at this yeah. point mm. but there's still so many of them are actually active like you know Alan Wynne Jones and like Donna Callan up until relatively recently like Jamie Heaslip probably would have been as well had he not got that um yeah. that, like that that back injury yeah it is crazy like with the game getting more physical and with this tour kind of being I think a a, a, a kind of a, a harbinger really of of the game becoming very way more physical because I think this tour mm. was the, was the mo- one where people kind of going I've never seen games as as physical as this, yeah. um, to see guys still involved, oh, up until like yeah. Earls, Earls still playing, and like yeah. uh, Sam Rob- or uh, Jamie Roberts playing up until recently Sam as well. Roberts, yeah. yeah, still playing. Sam Roberts, is like, <laughs> yeah, like, like with uh, O'Connell, got going until like 2015, yeah. um, and it's just and like Alan Jones as well, like still being a huge player. Like, as in, it's amazing to see it with the game being yeah. as physical as it is. But because that was one thing that stuck out to me watching this, it's just like. There's lots of these guys who are still playing up until relatively recently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at I think it's uh six of the squad are still playing today, which is a also, really high number for twelve years yeah. old. It stops me feeling old as well, this being my first Lions tour. Yes. Like a load of the players I sort of clung on to when I first loved rugby are still going, like Jamie Roberts and Alan Wynne Jones. Like there'll be a point where all of these players have retired and then yeah. I'll feel old. Yeah, and that's not a million miles away. But as I yeah. said, has got at least 22 more Lions tours in him. So he's yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, like Trevor games. Brennan's young fella, captain in France oh, under mm. 20. It's just like, good yeah. God. That's it. It's the moment I remember Stephen Jones's son being born. And he was mm. born, I think, on the same... He shares a birthday with Barry John. He was born in the same hospital as Phil Bennett. And like the bookies' odds on him playing 10 for Wales were insane the day he was born. <laughs> yeah. No and pressure, then, like... Yeah, the moment that happens, I'm going to feel so old. Yeah. Because I remember yeah. reading that article the day of it. 
keeping tabs on how Carter Williams, Shane's son, is doing on Instagram. Because oh, yeah. uh, he always posts videos <laughs> of him scoring. Oh, man. And just thinking, oh, the pressure on that lad. Can I show one more thing from the build-up to this game? Yeah. Uh, We've not Bladen done enough says of the As a Rule 15 coming out, and I have no idea what this refers to, he says they will be introduced to the king. And then there's a pause of like two seconds. And he says, we've just been told that they're not going to be introduced to the king. And I have no idea what, is this? what the king is. But we find out that there's 15 of invitational players are not going to meet Elvis or whoever, whoever else they've got out to be the king. Oh, so maybe like King Arthur was the guy who was meant to be on the bench who Jamie Heaslip <laughs> filled in for. I went to rewind this and watch it again in case they gave some context of who the king <laughs> might be, and they don't. There's no reference. I've got no who idea the who king? the king is. Oh my god! And I like when the but I like what I was saying there earlier when the game actually started. Yeah, I got I got the impression that the the the, the commentary team were kind of hyping up how well the Royal Fifteen were doing initially mm. because. Like I said, it seemed initially that the Lions had most of the ball, and they made a few mistakes. Keith yeah, Earl yeah. made a few mistakes, and they're like. But other than that, I, I thought that the Lions actually looked fairly coherent. They were running the ball pretty well. I mean, you could see kind of mm. you know some of their transition structures look quite good at times as well. Mm. When the, the the Royal Fifteen did kick to them, very very dangerous back three, like really yeah. really talented like talented group there. But I was blown away how good Jamie Roberts was on the ball. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the crash ball in, in really in this got game. going forward yeah oh, like you forget sometimes just what a physical specimen he mm. was I mean and, yeah. and, and still is but like yeah. at that time like as in he was one of the biggest most physical midfielders going it was a yeah. hugely important part of this tour yeah. um, and you forget how fast he was as well he had mm. that like, real acceleration and he had a good ball, offload on him but, as well yeah but I think and, a, a, and a head like an Easter Island statue like yes just his jawline, it, unbelievable. I think it was an East Island statue, actually. I think he just <laughs> ripped it out of the ground yeah. and stuck it on like a big enough, bo- the only body big enough to carry it. But no, but that yeah, should but, have worked. That midfield, yeah, should have worked. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Roberts, Keith Earls playing off any disruption that you get from Roberts, and with O'Gara, who like I will go to my grave saying Ronan O'Gara was underrated as much as mm. as much uh, accolades as he got, and as much I think because look. I, I, anytime that I posted about Ronan O'Gara over the last number of years, there's always some English dude ends up in my mentions kind of going, ah, but what about the Springbok Tour 2009? Uh, and it's yeah. just, it ends up defi- like a, a bit like you were saying, T-R-L's, like it mm. did harm his perception as being a yeah. player. Because I, 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 when I was just looking there a second ago, uh, looking about the Royal 15 2009, mm. just did a quick Google of it there. And one of the videos that shows up, under the second suggested one is Keith Earl's nightmare for the Lions versus Yes, that'll be Ruddy Data. Genuinely, at half time in this game, I decided to search Keith Earl's Royal 15 just to see if Ruddy Data would upload a video. And he has, he, he only went and did it. But so. that was like, I have that written in my notes. This is Ruddy Data's wet dream. Wow. Like, this, okay. is, this is his favorite thing in the world, yeah. is watching someone have this bad a game yeah. on a big occasion. And Keith making mistakes was a bit of a meme for a while, wasn't it? It was kind of a yeah. trick to point that out. I th- uh, do you know what? I heard some people on Reddit were into that. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. that ended yeah. up, ended, would end up on my timeline every now and then. And I was just like, what, what is what, what? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. But yeah, it's like, uh, but the thing is with Keith Earls, you can just see in this game, like where if the first ball he gets, he hangs on to, mm. 
I think that he probably has a way better game here. Yeah, but it and just seems like Brian O'Driscoll. And he is already better than Brian O'Driscoll. Apologies. Apologies. This is we we, we we can we we agreed this before when I, I signed the contract coming in. We did, agreed. Did, did Brian O'Driscoll ever come off the bench against Canada? I don't think he did. He didn't. He was he was too much of a coward to come off the bench against Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look with with with, with Earls, Look, I think that because he would have been nervous coming out onto this game anyway, mm. right? The first touch he gets spills it. It gets into your head then, and it, it seemed mm. that he starts like that. The next one had a lot of cognitive pressure on. I've got mm. to get this. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. he didn't. And it started to build from there, and it becomes very hard to build in. Then, as if, as if you're dropping be... easier balls as well, yeah, and like, like... just a nightmare. Yeah, Even when he's I've been the there ball at the end of the half. He, oh no, yeah, I think we all have. We all have all been there. Yeah, yeah. those games um, where you feel like you can't catch anything. Yeah, like towards the end of the half, he tries to force an offload as well. Yeah. Um, and it you know throws it straight at the floor. On tra- uh, transition, wasn't it? Off, yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Shane Williams had a good break, and it was just like. Any moment that he could get to kickstart himself, mm, yeah, it just never happened. Wasn't his day, was it? Bless him. No, and he never, never recovered on the on the tour. It was just like mm. that kind of shaped how the rest of the tour was going to be. Where he was just like, "You're not going to be anywhere near the test now, unfortunately." But I think he said it himself that he said like that he was just he, yeah. wasn't ready for that. Yeah, to go from He's... a young fella from Moy Ross and Limerick to go, for, you know, to be a main player for Munster and then onto the Lions the same year. Yeah, it's, it's a big jump. Like, it is a huge mm. jump, a huge yeah. jump, but like. I think since then he's like he's proved he's a he's he's a better player than those mistakes would suggest, yeah, obviously. But the perception yeah. can be a long time in turning. For sure. You know, yeah, where sure. like a lot of guys thought that O'Gara was like a bit of a flaky guy who would lose, you know, would you know lost mm. the run of himself because of the you know that 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 second yeah. test. Yeah, it's, it is weird how the Lions sometimes can shape your perception for years mm. and dis- yeah. and have your how you're rated as a player, even though it might just be yeah, one game, even. Should we should we talk about the first Royal Fifteen try? Given yes. we're an hour in sure. now. No, it's a really nice try. Really, yeah, it is. Work. It sure. is, and they bailed into the twenty-two for a long time. Try. Yeah, yeah. Nas Olafir does this really nice pass out the back to the captain Cock, who um, runs a, a nice short line and, and grounds the ball really well. It's a really really good finish. And the secondary commentator describes what Olafir, his little out the back pass, describes it as uh, Olafir does a little backflip. <laughs> <laughs> I remember looking at that try again and it was just like fairly simple but mm. a product of just good territory that they had yeah. and yeah. then just simple skills like I think was there a, like a, a forward pass a forward pass the ball here was, oh, was yeah, it a forward yeah, pass yeah. Yeah. and all of a sudden there's a space yeah it's incredible. the guy runs straight through that. the gap and like finishes well to be fair but god like, analysis is so easy on 12 year old rugby matches isn't it it's just like hey why don't you pass the ball He's like, no, whoa, I'm a forward. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, what, the, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Why do I, why do I do what? <laughs> but like, there, like during that game, like you could see when forwards got the ball, mm. 99% of the time, it was, you're going to hit that ball up now. And it was just that that was the game. And I remember looking, uh, when yeah. I was looking back at the, 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 the Heineken Cup final, or semi-final mm. from 2009, it was very much the same that once that possession came from the rock here, that it was like, well, you're either hitting a forward for a carry mm. or you're giving it to the 10 to go wider. And it was yeah. very much based on that was the structure, that it, it was, was there, there, was, there was two options. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly it just became the norm somewhere around sort of, 
I think between sort of 2014 and 16, you start to see more and more forwards were able to pass until it became the point that yeah. every second row, every basic, basically at least 14 players on the field need to be able to throw like 30 meter accurate miss passes nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not making it at the highest standard. The structures. Yeah, yeah. But you're looking at the player. They were they were kind of rudimentary around this point where there was guys who would carry tighter, and then there might be guys who might be in the wider yeah. channels. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't the sort of the the kind of the approximate forward shapes that we see today. You know, like with yes. your three two twos or you know two four two whatever. That necessary wasn't necessarily the case back then, where mm-hmm. there seemed to be more of a kind of a, a relative position where yeah. you were either a guy who was off nine or further out rather than hitting into a, a specific slot, so to speak. So, like, with today, like, you, you might see guys who their positioning sometimes is independent of where they may expect to get a pass on first or mm. second base from, from, from the 10 or any other creative player. But in, in, in this game, you could see, like, you could see that it had advanced quite a bit from, even from the mid-2000s, because I remember watching the, the Lions tour in 2005 mm. relatively recently, and it was just, just seems like it's way longer ago than what it actually was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, the game's moved on so far in the last 10 years, never mind. You know, as I say, sort of from Even the last talk, five years, um, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's notable from the same. 2015 to now. Yeah. Um, the the changes you're seeing, both in terms of skill set and, you say, structure and just ability to yeah. spread. And, and just the way the game's hands. coached generally. Is, like, there's more and more changes you're noticing since 2019. You know, like yeah. I'm already, there's already tries I'm seeing. I'm going, oh, that would or wouldn't have been scored two years ago. Yeah, back. that's you know, it. That's there was something I then. watched back from the 2019 World Cup mm. for like something I was writing and realizing, oh, that would have been scored nowadays just yeah. because of a structure, which is now a thing that wasn't back then. Yeah. Which is a while to think we're only, you know, less than two years on. Mm. And do you think that the, the, in, that the, the influence of Japan. Oh, yeah. Like that their influence on the game actually well exceeds their achievements as such. Mm. Like, they're really on. They're, they're the actual... They didn't win big trophies. You know, no, they, they, yeah. they, they won some, some good games. They were but a lot I of think, friends. That's the most important thing. <laughs> the friends they made along the way that they lifted yes. above their heads. The friends <laughs> they made. But, the, like, the, the influence that their style, and I suppose that, like, mm. the, uh, Jimmy Joseph, like, that his yeah. influence on the style has had a massive effect on the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Eddie Jones from before, from 2015, mm. that, that impact, because you, you've probably seen that, that, that thing floating around of, the, um, of Eddie Jones, like the, the, the Japanese playbook mm. from, from yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. The way that he had Japan playing has been hugely influential in the way that different elements of the game are played all over the world. And I think that yes. in 2015 and 2019, they had a large impact on how teams think, well, shit, maybe we can kind of play a little bit closer to what they're playing. There's a lot of this in the video I'm working on at the minute and, you know, how the Lions might play of... God, like, Tom, why are you spoiling it for him? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, four and a half of the top eight teams in the world now play the same structure Japan were in the World Cup. You know, like, it's uh, that with, with the, one the, the, three, two, two. Yeah, one three two two shape. Yeah, it, it, it it's hugely influential, and it's like you can see it, especially in that in in this series in two thousand nine. Yeah. Just how the game has just in, in complexity, just mm. incrementally has just built, yeah. built, 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 and in a way, this series in two thousand nine, I think, was a bridging point between the old rugby and the way rugby has become, and I think that that has helped, like, it's kind of shaped sometimes people mm. kind of their complaints about the game. That it, that, mm. it, it, that that they have lost the game that mm. it was 
because of the yeah. complexity that has come in since. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, like you said, even since 2019, it's gotten more complex. Oh, there's no sidesteps like, anymore. It's like, <laughs> no, do you not enjoy like forwards throwing brilliant miss passes out I, the back and players standing a bit deeper and having a bit more time on the ball to actually do something interesting? Like, do you not enjoy that because you're not seeing somebody do something, some weird sidestep that doesn't fucking work? I like, think so much of this, though, comes down to the fact that the majority of rugby coverage doesn't try and explain this yeah, at all. For sure. But the fact that it's people terrible. who watch the Premiership or the Pro 14 or the, the URC as it is now mm-hmm. uh, every week don't yeah. know what a one free we were, free, we were free, saying this rugby, one, we? you know we're is, having a chat like that's that's a failure of responsibility on behalf of yeah. you know like people absolutely watching. absolutely like, we were having a chat the other day yeah, where yeah. we were saying like every time we turn on the television for mm. a rugby match and there's somebody who retired more than seven or eight years ago on there we kind of roll our eyes because it's just like yeah. we are going to talk about the, the game that you retired from and talk about pride and passion and pods and the fact that you should stop kicking and it's yeah. just like shut up man. we need the like, boards working that's... around the corner yeah, exactly. That's Which not someone a thing genuinely anymore. said quite recently on TV. Yeah, like you know, they've not um, even grasped playing out the back, let alone one for three, one structure. Who was or it? Whatever the, um, other structure that may go from that. The week before the line squad was named, and George Ward had a brilliant game for Leicester yeah. against Ulster. And uh, one of the pundits said, "Well, he's really good because he plays really flat to the line." It was Austin Healy, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's like that—that's not a thing anymore. Oh, that hasn't no, been a no. thing for the better part of ten years. I now. hate oh. that. And the thing is, even if that was a thing anymore, George Ford doesn't fucking do that. He <laughs> plays extremely deep. His game is based on the depth that he that he takes because he doesn't yeah. want to be a guy who plays flat in the green line because he get murdered if he does this. Genuinely, yeah. he, he used to do that when he was what twenty one, twenty two, when he was playing for yeah. Bath, and that was how he originally. Got to the England team because he played flat to the game line and he brought his forwards onto the ball because that was a thing back mm. then whereas it's not now and so he's gone okay that's not a thing anymore it, why don't I not do that it ties back to the same thing as Keith Hills right people get tied into one perception of a player or of of you know rugby in general almost the people yeah. get an idea in their head and it lodges in there rather than thinking oh actually players get better the game changes elements of the game change and it's not always yeah. bad when that does happen right like people find it far easier to go oh so and so has gone off the ball you know johnny sexton's gone off the ball and is now a worse player than he was 10 years ago mm. people don't like to go oh so and so is a far better player than they were 10 years ago yeah because yeah. Th- there was a moment in this game mm. and i think it was a paul o'connell carry mm. very mm. late in the game actually a really good carry of the ball mm. those kind of moments I think are what people look at for because one of the one of the things that I, I hate mm. about modern punditry and commentary in the game is oh they're playing very direct. Yes. With direct being they're successfully carrying the ball repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like, well, of course that is being direct and successful because you're advancing up the field in the easiest mm. way possible. Yeah. It's but, not notable, is it? <laughs> yeah, like the game has advanced though in that the guys now who are making the tackles are bigger, stronger, fitter than what they were even 10 years ago. Mm. So it is not easy yeah. to do that. Yeah, like where I don't yeah, think yeah. you physically can play as direct as what people want to do. But then you get kind of accused of shoving the ball across the field. And it's like, mm. there's, there's no way to win. I said this to you, Will, the other day, but if Stuart McCloskey played in the 80s, he'd be an all-time great. Yeah. Yep. Right, like he yeah. would be one of the best players we've ever seen. He's big and he can pass and kick. Yeah. And he's got a top knot. <laughs> the, the holy triumvirate. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's like, but I, was, I said this on my own podcast the other day about Ty Byrne. Yeah, like Ty yeah. Byrne, six foot six, a guy, mm. what, 114, 115 kg, yeah. can play four, six, whatever role you want to mm. give to him. Forget about numbers yeah. in the back for a minute. Like, that type of player back in 2009 just didn't exist. Who has Ty Byrne's skill set? A guy yeah. like a poacher who's six foot six? Like a guy with his passing, his offloading, his ability to carry, his he lineup work both sides of the ball? As well. He can kick. kick, yeah, like he kick. Yeah. It's, it's cra- and like his ability to sidestep. He's handsome. A, you yeah. know, good looking guy, tall. Yeah. His sister's a model. A lovely Instagram yeah. presence as well, not overbearing, really nice stuff. Like, quite like, like that type of player didn't, didn't exist back then. Like, back then. Yeah. Like, just and it's crazy, and like that that type of player now is kind of like that player. You know, a lot of clubs and provinces they're, like, they're all looking for a guy who can do that. Yeah, he's kind mm. of the benchmark in a way. Yeah, yeah and like this good. is a guy who was like delivering pizzas, you know, to his fellow <laughs> yes. Leinster players in 2014, 2015. Mm. Like it's yeah. amazing, and like for him to be on the Lions tour now, like it just kind of shows how the game has evolved and where a, 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 like only through looking at the game more scientifically now mm. can yeah. you see the value of a guy like a Ty Byrne who yeah. if you're using him to be a battering ram off nine most of the time, that's probably not a best use of his, of his skill set. But if you're a guy who was a second row in 2009, that's what you're expected to do. Yeah. Chuck the ball. And if you're not chucking yeah. the ball, what are you doing? And there's something as well in the fact that someone like Tyburn is viewed as a very, very good second row rather than the second coming in the way like someone like Jonah Lohman yeah. was mm-hmm. when he combined several attributes. Yeah. And that, you know, I think that's a big mark of just how much, how far it's come and how high the skill level is nowadays and how much yeah. higher than it has ever been before. The, the way to sum um, this up, rugby, it's different. <laughs> it just <laughs> is. It just is. <laughs> just so many values. Players on opposite teams having a drink after the game. You, know, don't, you don't see that in any other setting ever. You know, I just, I think all the time about when Stuart Holden and Finn Russell had that beer together. Oh, wow. Um, but actually, really... don't, don't talk too much about that. I'm going to start choking up. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> it's a bit much. I, I just, it just really said to me that rugby is different. It's different. It's different. It's just it different. Just it just different. is. It's magical. It's magical. I feel like doing kind of a fist emoji and doing <laughs> yeah. it into the camera now. Bang. And then it's like, yeah, bang. Don't see this in any other game. And then, <laughs> and then two beers emoji. Yeah, <laughs> the Exeter having beers and babies on the pitch. Just rugby's different. Rugby's <laughs> different. Um, they love the bones of each other and of conspiracy theories, apparently. Um, <laughs> so, should we uh, from the game itself? Right um, at one point, Van Rensburg does an incredibly deliberate knock on. It just doesn't, yeah. doesn't get given. Just give us that was on. fun. Knock I enjoyed on. that. There's a drive over try for for the Royal 15. They yes, it was, it was impressive. And I liked, I liked in this that this first game of the tour kind of had the old values of kind of, you know, dodgy kind of snaky refereeing. 
Yes, that was kind of yeah. a kind of a return to the classical old values, which I, I, I quite liked. Yeah, but like, this game reminded me that people always say, you know, particularly with like the, the profile team and so on, that we want high quality refereeing, we want better quality refereeing, right? And I don't think we do. I think we just want fun, entertaining refereeing. We want. I only, I only want good. I only want good, accurate refereeing when monsters are involved. Um, yeah, other sure. than that, then I enjoy just uh, like, chaos and shithousery. <laughs> I was, I was watching this game and thinking like Mike Adamson is a technically far better referee than any of these, but he gets so much shit because he's technically accurate and because he will penalise a lot of things that would not have been penalised mm. here, you know, or other referees of that kind of ilk. The so the the stable of Pro Fourteen referees, you know, yeah. the, the Ben Whitehouses and the. Uh, I, just, I think I think Ben Whitehouse has really improved as a referee from me mm. enforced Ben a couple a couple of years ago, which he said himself <laughs> on, the, on a radio interview was just like, what the fuck? But also, <laughs> wow. fine head of hair, great yeah. beard. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Suits a beard. Man who suits a beard. Yeah. Anyway, no no one will ever overtake Steve Walsh, but, you know. No, but if, if somebody was, it would be Ben Whitehouse. <laughs> yes. Um, I praise. On the opposite end, the Rolf Dean score tried that puts them like ahead, you know, solidly ahead of about 50 minutes ago. And I am such a huge fan of just how much that forward enjoyed it. Like that is a <laughs> big, ugly bastard loving his life. And yeah. I love that for him. Yeah. And like you like this with, 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 the, with the, the Royal 15, like mm. you could see that like that this sense that there was a huge moment here. Yeah, and like, and like I, I don't like to kind of like you know, oh well, what are they thinking? They're all thinking that they're really liking winning this game. No, but like, <laughs> like that idea, like, and that like that that feeling that shit, we actually could beat the Lions here. Yeah, and like the crowd b- 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 believed it, and I love the like the Both super them, yeah. biased commentary as well. Was <laughs> yes, just like yes. like they believed it could happen too, and like watching the game back as well, I was just like like thinking, I knew that the the Lions would probably come back towards yeah. the end, but like it was kind of hard to see where that was going to come from at that yeah. point because they had been kind of incoherent for a lot of that early part of the second half and not a whole load was going right. Lee Byrne scores an instant solo one to try basically <laughs> yeah. from the kickoff. And I think if he didn't do score that bullshit instant solo one to try, I don't know if the Lions would have won this game. Like, no, it's, mathematically it's, they do. Like but... It's an up and under solo try. Yeah. yeah. Which, and again, you tend not to see as many of those anymore. Yeah, yeah. pullback taking the ball and then just running and just bumping. I remember because I remember looking back at the game, thinking I remember that happening quite a lot back then, <laughs> but not yeah. necessarily as often now. I just love he just put a fucking welly on it. The ball went just flying it. He was following straight away afterwards, and then just drew a fucking kick on the ball as it came down as well. It's just like, yes, you are quality. Kind of turns this game, fucking quality. He? Like, he somewhat turns this game leap in because there's like three or four really good kicks in a row that he does. Mm. There's like an up and under, there's a couple of clearances. There's one where he's off balance and he boots it like 50 yards into the uh, Royal 15 half. And then, yeah, there's that, that, that try where he does the volley and, and scores mm. it himself. And there was because also is... the first, try, I think, was it, was it a try for the Lions? Tommy Ball scored. Yes, yes. That was very like, like that Ireland had run a very similar play right. that year during the Grand Slam. Mm. With that inside ball from O'Gara to Bow. Mm. And he was like Tommy Bow at the time. I mean, such a quality player. I mean, when he went yeah, to the Ospreys, yeah. like, she, like, as in, he was so, so good. Like, I remember, he like, he was getting scoring. tortured yeah. during the, um, that, that, that quarterfinal in Thomas mm. Park. Everybody kept singing. Um, yeah, he was playing fullback, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And like, everybody was singing the uh, Black Velvet Band at him because he'd sang that. Um, yes. After the, the Irish oh, Grand yes. Slam, everybody was kind of going like, "Get up with the Black Velvet Band," 
and it just uh, just different all vibe day. to stand up and fight, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> that was a, a, a little more kind of you know more complex number from our difficult second album. But like <laughs> you look at like at, at Bo on this tour, just the perfect player in that mm-hmm. back three, kind of set an archetype really in, in some ways of yeah. that big powerful winger. I still um, think, yeah, Tommy Bow is the model winger for the modern game. Uh, oh. He almost came too early. Yeah, um, so good. Like, and, and the size, the pace, the mm. the and like, and like not necessarily the best passer of the ball or whatever else, but like the the lines he would Still take and the, the pace he would hit them, mm. just very very dangerous just, if you had the players to find him. He kind of played in an era where people underappreciated really good finishing wingers. Yeah, but it was the sheer technique of it of you know how good he was under the high ball and the bits that you look yeah. at. But his finishing was beyond phenomenal yeah Uh, i remember there was a try he scored against monster actually for the ospreys Mm. where he had absolutely no right to score it where he was being pushed into touch by two people but he just contorted his body in such a way that he could just about get the ball over his head um yeah it was kind of like reached round yes but it it just it was that kind of thing you know and there's there's a moment in this game actually where he is on his wing he's picked the perfect line he's he's in Mm. exactly the space he will score it and shane williams throws the ball behind him and tommy bow despite being the loveliest man in the world is so pissed off that he doesn't even like when shane apologizes and kind of puts his hand in his sorry mate he doesn't even acknowledge him he doesn't even say it's all right he's so annoyed about blowing that try yeah yeah like i remember tommy ball being really criticized in the irish Mm. media over here around the time he broke through in in the grand slam year that he wasn't quick enough Mm. because the criteria then were wingers are quick if you are not quick as a winger, you must not be a good winger. Now, yes. he wasn't lightning, but he had so many other qualities to his game yeah. that are very, like, that would be more appreciated now. There's always room for a very quick winger. But mm. for a guy who might be his size and, and, and physicality now, that wouldn't be a, 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 like mm. a, a factor you would judge him on primarily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look at someone like Keith Earls, how he's evolved his game. You know, like he was always classically a lot quicker than Tommy Bow was. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's not quite as fast as he was when he was sort of in his mid 20s. But he technically knows how to run it what, what, with what he does have. And like that try he scored at the end of the Six Nations from that Jack Conan back of the mm. line out. And that was technically such a good finish because he knew how to sidestep the man in front of him and beat him to the corner using what pace he had. And there's, there was such an awareness to it. And someone like Tommy Bow always had that and always knew how to time his run and how to time a pass or, or, or whatever, or even look for a pass to, to feign that defender a little bit more. And he was just such a world-class finisher in every regard. And he was always quick enough. And with the, and with the and what I love about him is his physicality to get through that initial contact that he might yeah. have. That the line he's picked demands that he's able to like yeah. physically win a collision of sorts in that kind of space in between the defenders. He was always so good at that because yeah. you you would see smaller ringers might go for a similar line, mm, but yeah. they get they get bumped and disrupted by the contact they might get coming in there, and then that ends up taking them off stride they don't get through and, and that opportunity maybe doesn't get scored with Tommy yeah. Bow constantly able to, that... break, uh, like, to, to break that spot and then just get through and stay on stride. Such a good player there. That, um, that Keith Earls offload that you mentioned earlier that didn't go to hand, where Tommy Bow is running the perfect like curved line to get away from the defenders. And you know, if that goes to hand, Tommy Bow is good at scoring. Yep. Uh, mm. if, if not going most of the way from just a fairly normal offload. But the, the, the exact curvature of his line is so spot on and gets away from anybody who can come anywhere near him. Technically, yeah. very, very excellent. So good. So good. And plus, with Keith Earls as well playing midfield here, which he mm. did all season for Munster, mm. like there's an argument now, and he has said this himself previously. I think after 20, 
around 2014-2015, he kind of moved away from midfield. That he, he wanted to primarily focus on the wing at that point. Because he's actually quite a small man, like, yeah. like physics stature-wise. Like, and he had to bulk up quite significantly to play in midfield and was leading to an awful lot of injuries. I think even back in, in this game, you can see that maybe he would have been better as the guy taking the pass last rather than being the guy who's in that hinge position where he has to either make a break and pass or whatever. It mm-hmm. kind of stretched a lot of his game. And physically, he was always very quick and very agile. But like that even goes back to what people look at now for what an outside center should be, where there's yes. like, oh, I can let the Brian Rodgersville type player, skillful, able to break and all this. Not necessarily the qualifying criteria now mm-hmm. for that position. Yeah. And where you even look at some of the players selected for the Lions this year, yeah. where the demands of the position from, we'll say, what the old cliched thought of what, of what an outside mm-hmm. center should be is now kind of different, where you're like there, there's kind of been a, a real shift in physicality when you look at i mean certainly from an irish perspective you look at at, at brian Ristel, not the biggest man going sure, and yeah. like the sort of the demands of the position were sort of like well you can be smaller you can be more agile and i suppose you could still do that with whatever scheme you're running these days but it kind of shows that with now the modern game where you, you, you need to be a big physical hitter almost like another flanker to a certain extent mm, yeah yeah yeah, should we? I just a couple of other points from the game to pick up on. Uh, Graham Roundtree's massive phone. Yeah. Um, Graham, as I mentioned, you know, phones at the time, perhaps not as advanced as they are now. Graham Roundtree at one point has to call up to the coach's box when he's on the sideline using an enormous, enormous phone about the size of his ears, which we all know about. Yeah, one, one other point. At one point, just before, you know, the lines are starting to come back into the game, the Royal 15's captain says or he, th- this is attributed to him as the captain uh, i didn't i heard him say it but i didn't pick up okay. who it was uh and then the, the commentary says it's the captain he says in a huddle just before the lions maul he says boys we need to start defending which a is good advice Inspiring. and b makes the bit in invictus where matt damon says forwards we need to start scrumming far more plausible puts it in context a little bit <laughs> yeah. doesn't it that's what team talks about. Maybe that was what they watched to, uh, although this was, was Invictus, wasn't it? Was it? I can't remember. Invictus came out that year, early that year. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that, that inspired. Well, no, it was the, the following year. Invictus. Maybe they'd, maybe they'd been to watch filming That's it. beforehand. That's it. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, that Van Neerkirk should look at that and go, we need to start defending boys, our souls, <laughs> our, our spirits, and we just put start... that on a nice Instagram post. And it's, it's perfect. We need to start defending assholes. <laughs> There's, I, I spot at half time. There's a, a on the stats sheet at half time. Mm. Don't tell Dickie It says ball spread to wings was a stat wow. on there, which is alarming because like what, what what classifies as a ball spread to the wing? I know that a ball that gets to the but like what if it was knocked on in that wide channel and the, the winger just happened to, to have a run <laughs> and score? Thirteen, yeah, probably was. Yeah, and what yeah. if the winger just happened to be next to the rock and was passed to by the scrum half? Yeah, yeah, Does exactly. That count? Yeah, what if it was a crossfield kick? You know, like they, they just thought it was an interesting. And the other thing, after Lee Burns' try, you can see three people in t-shirts: one with a B, one with an R, and one with an I. And you think, are they all wearing shirts that spell out British and Irish lines? If so, they've got a massive squad with them. Maybe again, it's a geography I saw seventeen them from earlier in the game with different letters on it. And I was trying to figure. I think because I think it was I S H. Right, it's like they must have been how many of them there. Yeah. Well, no, I, I thought of, of another stat you could put in for old rugby 
mm. like number of times the right to go wide was earned. <laughs> yes. Only 35%. That's why they're losing. <laughs> they're just not earning the right to go wide. <laughs> what did that even mean? But hey, they had to do it. You had to. You had to earn the right to go wide. You know, that wasn't think, an option. I think um, something to help players and coaches across the country. They should have just had a stat that just said communication. <laughs> Loud What's going noise. wrong, lads? Like, communication. Yes. <laughs> or uh, how much chat did we hear? And then like a percentage-wise out of 100. 100%. <laughs> Of our chat being loud enough to be heard. Did we like they this. say we have to start defending? <laughs> <laughs> Just the one. Just the one. Or that lad kind of going, rise it, lads. Would you rise it? Come on. <laughs> How many times did you do that? Four or five times. I remember hearing before it an A game. Mm. A monster A game. <laughs> and this was like mid-season. A lot of guys coming in, getting, you know, they were getting their uh, injury, get her come back mm. from injuries, whatever else. And it was a me- and as meaningless a game as you can play, right? And Monster <laughs> A were losing at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> One of the coaches, I think it was Mick O'Driscoll, right? Was there wow. said, "Let's see if any fucking pride New Jerseys." <laughs> <laughs> fucking Monster A game up in I... heaven or in the middle of nowhere. It's just like for fuck's sake. Not you don't use that now. Not in an A game. I, I once heard. So there was somebody who I played with uh, a while ago who was clearly quite insecure and wanted to always be the voice that was heard despite not being a very good player and thought the world of himself and never passed the ball, never hit a ruck, nothing, despite playing in the back row. And once told us to show, he'd always do this uh, this big G up team talk saying, let's play Long Eaton Rugby, which isn't a thing. Like, that's just the team we play for. Like, please specify what you mean by this. Do you mean we're going to play expansively? Do you mean we're going to be direct? What do you mean? And then once said in a team talk, not a team talk, sorry, we just conceded a try, uh, let's Let's play with a bit of pride and then we just kind of turn around like mate it's the boxing day game it's the over 35s <laughs> why am i showing pride to play for the under 25s in this game where like half the team are half cut you're gonna be lucky if i'm running after the 20th minute Someone's <laughs> what fucking pride we're talking about here i i feel like it's now a lesser story and you should have built on them but my captain when i was in like under 15s or something uh, was a lad who never turned up because he played for like the high school team and he was sort of you know, oh, like a good of player, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. But he'd come down for games every now and again. I barely spoke to him. Bloody good players. Um, I hate him. But uh, we conceded a try and like we were shite. Like we lost every single game that season. Uh, and this was like a friendly towards the end of the season. And he called us all and like the try had been scored like 13 channel. I was on the wing and he pointed to me as like, you know, everyone come over, and he went over to like put my hand on my shoulder, like, "Don't worry, come in for the team talk to me." Uh, and I think that's the first time I'd ever spoken to him. And he he called everyone in, and we all huddled under the post while the conversion was being lined up. And he then he he just like asked for silence. He then like put like formed one hand into a fist, <laughs> stepped forward into the middle of the huddle, got down on one knee, and went, "Come on, guys." <laughs> Ah, ah. He always st- and he just like got up and started looking at us like everyone individually. We need to and start like a, defending. Come, come on, guys! And that never left me. That guy- forwards, we must start scrubbing. <laughs> but I remember, was it this tour that they like the the Lions video, hmm. the Lions documentary that came with it, where they had like the Paul O'Connell bit where he's just like, "I'll play a few all fucking day, Philzy. Yeah. Drive us on the fucking field." <laughs> I, I like, love that. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, That's like, just Paul the most like the most basic stuff like Paul O'Connell like giving his coffee order and signing Limerick the other day. 
Mm. That was inspirational to whoever was taking it. <laughs> yes. it was like an Americano. I could have a latte as well. <laughs> it was like, I'll oh have my an God, Ben Broster's <laughs> finest, please. Yeah. A single tear rolls down their cheek. <laughs> Whilst they're holding it together in his mute presence out of out of just sheer nervousness but the moment they turn around they don't need to fill up the kettle because they wept into it hey <laughs> hey matthew reese i'll buy coffee from you all fucking day <laughs> you are you ready to put the fear of me, god <laughs> into that cup the fear of fucking god into them oh stop i'm getting pumped up now thinking about paul o'connell giving me his coffee order <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> right, gotta get um, that, we've got to get that americano right I say it's time we move on to Man of the Match and Dig of the Day. Hang on, we've not interrupted we... the bit where the Lions win the match yet. Okay, yeah, no, right, it, so... it came down to okay. like everybody was sweating at the end. Like I remember looking at it coming into, I was like, like I said, I like the Lions do have the quality to win this, mm. but they don't look like they have the quality to win mm. this. And no. then the best worst try I've ever seen scored with Lee Burns up and under bouncing, kicking the fucking ball. <laughs> Only a quality player could score a try that looked as good and as shitty as that. Yes. There's, yeah. Of course, the Alan Wynne jones winning try afterwards as well. With five minutes to go, the Lions are losing by three points. Alan Wynne jones drives over. But I suppose you touched on it earlier. But was that, then, never, that, that never-ending mod? Yeah, mm. yeah, I think so, yeah. And then it, then and then it eventually the just kind of spins around. Yeah. yeah. Then there's, uh, at the end, the Lions should kind of go, should we score another one, lads? And they just give the ball to Ricky Flutie, and he just goes, yeah, if I, if I step this lad, then I'm, I'm sure I could go the whole way. Yeah. And, and, and if I pass it, it to somebody then, like, I mean, shit, who knows what could happen? Yeah. <laughs> like Paul O'Connell makes a break, Martin Williams makes a break, and offloads to Ron O'Gara, who runs it under the post, and the game is done. Bam, there we go. <laughs> yeah, like Ricky Flutie, in the interesting, I think he touches the ball twice. Once he knocks it on because he's carrying on the Keith Earls curse. Uh, and then the next time, yeah, he steps in at 10, I think, hoping that he yeah. can pass the curse on to someone else because uh, he played 10 a bit for Wasps and so on. Uh, and they talked about him as a. Take the ball to the line, man. Yeah. And he, he <laughs> it's properly like, oh, I get why they keep talking about taking the ball to the line because it's so effective. It's so he, easy he back it. then, wasn't it? Yeah. He just, he just runs at some defenders and they go, oh, should we let him go through? Yeah, there and he is. is. You should, have ta- you should have tackled him, actually. We were Come on, we guys. said we said we were supposed to start defending. <laughs> yeah. <And> look. <laughs> you should learn our lesson. Come on, guys. Come so, on, guys. Uh, I also enjoyed how all business Alan Wynn Jones is and just doesn't care. He gets up, gets on with it. Next yeah. game, you know, there's nine more games to go in this tour. Yeah. Who cares? I have legendary shit I have to start doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I have a, me, please. <laughs> a legendary coffee company coming up. Yeah. Okay, I'm Alan Wynn um, Jonesing for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice old cup of Jones. <laughs> um, this is just gold. He's listening to this and he's thinking, I'll break this shit down. <laughs> Uh, okay, shall we move on to Man of the Match and Dick of the Day? Let's do it. We've barely spoken about the game, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Shall we start with Dick of the Day? Because I think it's an easy one. <laughs> I did text you during the game saying this is the easiest. Like We've done, what, 50 of these near enough now? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is the easiest Dick of the Day because it's just... Well, no, one shout for the referee who oh, turns yeah, the Shonka. team at one... Mary Shonka, thank you. Who turns to the Royal 15 team at one point and says, who's the captain now? And the captain hadn't changed since the start of the game. He'd <laughs> 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 just forgotten who the captain was. That is a very um, good nomination. That's a that's a nomination, but it's Keith Earls. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to go Keith Earls, man of the match. No. 
Come on. <laughs> Turn up for the bunks. Spot the monster fan. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't have a good game. He didn't have a good game. I, I, I can't do that, though, so I'm just going to pick an arbitrary Shane Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Shane Williams did run into touch totally unprompted at one point. It was oh, there really you go. Funny. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, did, how did we not cover this? That Shane Williams at one point gets the ball and just nobody's coming across and he just runs into touch and it's just kind of like... That shit, that was really bad, wasn't it? I'm the, the world player of the year. And he just, there was, like, he wasn't tackled into touch. He wasn't doing it to avoid anyone. He just ran into touch untouched. It was remarkable. At one point, uh, Hugh Bladens apologises to the crowd for not seeing more Shane Williams. Yes! <laughs> He's just like, I'm really sorry to everyone that paid to watch this. Both people, because for some reason the stadium is empty for the opening <laughs> game of Alliance Tour. Surprising. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my Dick of the Day nominations uh, mm. include... So one of them obviously is Shane for doing that. Another one is Martin Williams for hitting Ronan O'Gara on a crash ball. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in at first receiver. And it's it clearly like brilliant shit out of yeah. like, I've played against you so many times, I know you're shit in contact. <laughs> and he just gives him a short ball, knowing that he could carry it in himself, it would be so much more effective. And instead he hits Ronan O'Gara and gets penalised for holding on. And Martin Williams clearly really enjoyed it. Um, I think I think that the the obvious contender for Dick of the Day, of course, is the King for not showing up. Where was he? Of course, where was the King? Yeah, they, they, had a, they had a temporal hole opened up from the twenties, and he needed to show up. And it was just like, no, I'm going to stay in my original timeline. I'm not going to welcome the Lions to the opening of the tour in <laughs> uh, My Dick of the Day is in, indeed Keith Earls yeah. <laughs> for reasons covered. Uh, my shame, Williams. Fuck him. <laughs> Man of the match. I mean, I think we. I was going to go with someone we mentioned once in passing. <laughs> but I now feel like I've got to go with Lee Byrne, who was my narrow second instead. Who was the one person you had? Uh, Saro Pretorius. Oh, who really? I thought was really, really good at scoring was, top for the World was. 15. In yeah, he was really good. He was good. I especially like there was a point where he took a quick tap and the Lions defence were like 15 metres back and he still got the penalty for not 10. And then at yes. the end he takes a quick tap and Alan Wynne jones decks him from about three metres from the mark and doesn't get penalised. <laughs> when Alan Wynne jones came on the field, I'm not sure if he came on to replace, but on that mall, he hit some fella a fine dig off the back of it as well. And it was just like, yes. <laughs> this player, I like. I like this guy. <laughs> He's put next to Paul O'Connell, and his shit houseery increases so <laughs> instantly, drastically. Uh, there's a bit in the first half as well, just on quick taps, where Ronan O'Gara takes a quick tap five meters out of the line, passes to Keepers, and Keepers just <laughs> uh, throws the ball over the dry yeah, line uh, like it's yeah, NFL. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's also Simon Shaw attempts a quick tap, and he's like yes. ten meters away from the mark, and the ball doesn't leave his hands, and the referee just looks and goes, "No." Like, dude, you're 45 years of age. What are you doing here? <laughs> How did you get on the field? You can tell it's the first time he's ever thought about taking a quick tap in his life. And That's it's it. No, like, Lions no, 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 it's not. No, 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 no. You don't know this, but Simon Shaw took the first quick tap at rugby school back in 1882. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your, it's your man of the match, Lee Byrne, then, Robbie? Or is sure. it sorry, it's, let's go, Lee Byrne. Okay, Tom? Give a Wallace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Lee Byrne because he just looked just consistently quality all the way through the game and again scored the best worst strike I've ever seen. 
Okay, yeah. fair enough. I mean, I, I, I really want to give it to Russell G. Cox, but <laughs> yes. uh, alas, no, I'm not going to. I mean, I think Rog played well. Obviously, Andrew Sheridan did everything well for the Lions. So oh, yeah, and a- apparently he, de- he actually designed the shirts as well if they wore well, yeah. iconic as well. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, and he picked up the cones afterwards as well. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby's different, man. Yeah, Rugby's yeah, just different. different. I'm going to give Man of Match to Jamie Roberts. I think when the Lions okay. need to go forward, he kind of provided that. I don't care about the rugby. Like, we've done all of our talking about the match and the Man of the Match dick of the day sections so you know i'm done with it sure i kind of wish i'd just given to sarah pedorius now um, okay change your vote change your vote but i just i don't know if he'll make the test team you know sarah pedorius <laughs> for the lions you know i think he's a bit of a bolter making this squad i just i can't believe that you gave dick of the day to cute girls unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> i'm still getting shit from the six nations when i said him set him like absolutely doing johnny may was like a snail stepping a ferrari Oh god! I, I, still get, I, still, I know I still get shit like on a daily basis. People saying, "How dare you say that about?" Why do you, why, why it do you get a compliment? What have you got more shit for? George Ford, the, the George Ford thing, where, where everybody then, well, not everybody, but they're just like, "Is it? Oh, he said he had a bad game, and yet you said he's one of the best players in the world." Well, <laughs> yeah. well, well. Every time, <laughs> every time he drops a pass, I get six <laughs> tweets. It's like it's even gone beyond. Like I would get updates on literally anything Idrofalau did for a very long time. It'd be like he's just posted he's bought some beans in the supermarket. <laughs> but oh, I suppose the real PC mob want to cancel culture him for buying <laughs> beans. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, say, hang on, guys, guys. Say, I just want to say I like beans. I, I, I also, I also. No, let's, let, like let, let's not go nuts here. I, I think we all we all like beans. <laughs> You know, we won't go any further hey, than that. We'll yeah, just take it handy. <laughs> hey, no, but what I'm really against is beans that like like beans. You know, like it's when it's what that's what Israel Falau has an upset and objection to is beans that get too comfortable with other beans. Yeah, it's just like, come on now, this is a piece of business. <laughs> <laughs> no, like liking beans, come is on the, now, you're a grown is, man. Is the tin the beans place of business or is it the pan <laughs> or the plate? I think it's open ended. Well, I think with, with uh, the mouth is the real place of business for the bean. <laughs> like Joe Van Niekerk's the smile that he eats. <laughs> Do you think he ate Mr. Bean? Do you think that's how he began? He got really confused on his nutrients. And Sean Bean. I, yes, and Sean Bean. Um, I, I fully think that I, men- I started uh, mentioning Van Niekerk here and then his cultist showed up at my house. <laughs> he's, he's got long arms, that guy. At Van Nierkirk, and they're getting longer. Do you think this is like a Beetlejuice moment and Joe Van Nierkirk's about to join the Zoom call? <laughs> if you say like it three times in a row, he shows up in your house and eats you. <laughs> or, or he smiles with you and spreads goodwill. <laughs> it's like he either eats you or he indoctrinates you and really improves your sense of self-worth. I might try that. Yeah, it's a 50-50. Well, you know? like it's, it's, it's a bit of a gamble. You know, I'll, like t- I'll, I'll risk getting eaten for a bit of enlightenment. <laughs> Joe Van Niekerk is the new antidepressants. <laughs> yeah. The woke PC mob cancel him for eating people. <laughs> you eat one or two people? Who ha- Hands up here who has not eaten at least one person. <laughs> Just one spider puts his hand up. <laughs> Because it got because my brain did that as maths, but I can't make it work as a coherent thought. Okay, and I think with that, we should probably, much like Paul O'Connell ordering his coffee, 
bid everyone farewell and go off and drink your coffee. Their, yes, their lives are better. <laughs> we need just happened. We need you, Tom. In the most monotone way, can you tell us all where people can find you and anything you want to plug? Tell it in the most monotone way possible. Well, uh, if you want to follow there on uh, on Twitter, it's uh, at Three Red Kings. Uh, Patreon dot com forward slash Three Red Kings as well, lads. If you follow me on there, and I swear to God, I'll I'll, I'll follow you all day if you follow me on there. <laughs> I, 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 I probably won't, but you know, just uh, I'll, I'll just say I'll do it now. So, twitter.com hashtag follow slash follow. Three Red Kings uh, hashtag uh, follow Friday. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very 2009 ending. Yeah, <laughs> we need we need to embrace trends from 2009. Um, uh, every episode of this Tick, now. TikTok TikTok.com at Three Red Kings Instagram. Three Kings rugby. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. The players waiting around. When's he going to get to the inspirational stuff? <laughs> just follow me on socials, lads, and then follow me around the pitch all day. That was actually James Haskell's <laughs> team talks. That's where they went. Like and subscribe to me as captain as your fucking team, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Smash that like button like you're going to smash those rocks out there today. <laughs> and tell us what really inspires you before a match. Leave it in the comment section below. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, I guess I guess thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, we talked about rugby for a small while. That was, that was, that was enjoyable. <laughs> I think this is background the whole time, you know, (laughs) this is, this is probably the lowest proportion that we've spoken about the game. And like, we've done some DJ Khaled, like focused episodes before, you know, (laughs) like we've, we've, there's a lot of competition for that. And we have really managed to chat some shit today. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Have started the new series as we mean to go on. I think, I, but you know what? No, there actually was some good rugby chat in the middle of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> somewhere. That's like, I remember thinking, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also, of course, I, I saw your tweet last night, Tom, saying about that people complaining about you not covering the All Irish League when, uh, oh, when you're on your week yeah. off away from uh, Munster Island uh, and everyone playing. But, you know, you're, you're too busy talking about. Um, I'm, I'm doing serious business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, people can't, people can't complain about you at your division of time when, uh, when you're busy having a thrilling conversations like this time travel cults beans this is important <laughs> professional rugby writer stuff <laughs> the holy triumvirate that yeah. is the, the core of it it's what we want out of rugby more bean chat more <laughs> jovanica bean chat <laughs> by oh bean we also mean coffee beans which i believe you can get from uh reese ruddock um <laughs> who has the cash in on the back he has a Welsh name and start a coffee business <laughs> Because he really felt Dublin was the only underserved market. Has, have they ever even had coffee in Dublin? I'm not even sure. I I, I once saw some coffee in Dublin, <laughs> and I thought this is a story I'm going to tell someday. You know, you're not seeing Leo Cullen go in there and order order it in a really like you know expressive, inspirational manner. No, but I did once have to make small talk with Leo Cullen while he was waiting for coffee. Oh, okay. so, oh no, you did not. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, stop. I was at the Pro 14 launch event thing. Oh, um, was that the one in Cardiff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had me and Andy McGeady were interviewing all of the coaches and captains 
uh, and everyone else had left the room and someone popped out. Like Lens, it was just me, Lens social media person and Leo Cullen. And then Lens's social media person popped out to get Leo Cullen a coffee. And it was just me and Leo Cullen sat on a sofa together. Oh my God. <laughs> so... And then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to. I kind of said like, "Oh, yeah, you know, how's it going? How's your day going?" And he went, "It's good." <laughs> and then I went, "You know, it's been a busy day, much for you." And he went, "Yes." <laughs> and I thought, "Okay, there's no point going That's any further." I'm yeah. getting real fuck so, off vibes from you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I then shut up, and like neither of us were on our phones because I think Leo Collins is too intense to get out an iPhone because it was like it would break. You know, the sheer smouldering intensity of it. Like he'd, he'd hate to see somebody, like, as he's looking up, like, something on Brown Thomas or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, get, a yeah. new, get a new pair of shoes there. Can you imagine the shame? People knowing you like shoes. <laughs> no one can find a secret TikTok. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but you then, like, when you're sat in a room on your own with Leo Cullen, knowing about five people are coming back in any minute, you don't... I don't think you get your phone out because that feels like... He's one. You're saying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like me admitting that I don't want, like, I don't want to talk to Leo Cullen. And then I've got to go and interview him immediately afterwards. So I just figured I'd just sit there, like, trying to look casual, which I don't think I did a very good job of. It was a, it was a really bizarre minute, that. That would be excruciating for me now, because mm. it's just like, so Leo. And just get into a brawl. <laughs> see how it goes. That, see, that was this my Alan Quinlan, you fucker. <laughs> just maintain a really intense eye contact with him and see what he does. Yeah. See if he breaks away and then he does coward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I weighed that up and decided against it. Because I'd just done that with Reese Patchell and it felt like I can't do it too. Especially when the other one's Leo Cullen, who would knock you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, or try to, at least. The, the other great awkward moment there was um, during the lunch break, right? Like, me and Aldi Stokes, friend of the pod, sat in the corner eating lunch together as the two least famous people in the room. Because, you know, like, everyone else was like, it was Ross Harris and then, like, the players and coach from every possible club and so on and so forth. And then, on the end of our table, where it was just the two of us sat, overcame uh, with Robbie Kitchen, I think, who was the coach of the Kings at the time. Uh, who came and sat on his own and awkwardly oh, sat dinner? Kempson, Robbie Kempson, yeah. yes. Came and awkwardly sat and ate his lunch on the end of our table, uh, not talking to us, not acknowledged, like just looking really quiet and awkward, like the unpopular kid in school who had to sit somewhere and there was nowhere else <laughs> left. <laughs> and I felt like, do I say how, like, this is the coach of a major professional rugby team. Admittedly, it's the Seven Kings, but it's still the coach of a major professional rugby team. Do I say something? Do I say hello? Do I try to welcome him in? Like, is he comfortable being sat on his own awkward? Because he looked awkward. He didn't look comfortable at all. And honestly, the amount... I got far more out of just sitting around and watching, like, having Shane Williams reach across me at a buffet there was better than, you know, like him signing an, my autograph when I was a kid. You know, like, you get more out of thinking, huh, there's Sean Holly looking at the buffet. Than you there he is. Of, yeah. You're looking at You're like, Geez, Telling Sean? the buffet he's a coach. Yeah. <laughs> I've just, when I when I've ever been in those situations, I've just found mm. blustering my way through is probably the best way to go. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so, it. That's what... Hey, how's it going? <laughs> that's generally the way forward. I've had, yeah. Like false confidence. Oh, stop! My career is built in it. Yeah. Oh, likewise. We we both got pretty far, all considered. Yes, we're just like constant imposters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it's good to finally admit this in something that isn't going to be publicly broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. It's just like if, 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 we're, if we're off recording now, oh, stop. Just constant, like, what am I doing? Why is anybody looking at this? <laughs> <laughs> should we stop recording? Should we stop? Sh- should, should we wrap this up? So, thank you, Tom, for joining us. Cheers, Tom. Thank you, Will, as ever. Thank you for listening. You, uh, please join us next time when we will look at the Lions against the Lions. Oh, um, yes. The Lions took on the Golden Lions, and spoiler alert, they won. That is coming next time. Until then, thank you very much. Goodbye. I like beans. I do, too. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.